Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the ba- another edition, another edition, another edition of the Bat Around. Today's show is brought to you by. I don't know why I'm doing that right now. I don't have anything. Our our printer's not working, um, and if it is, we don't know how to get it to work. You know, um, I I tried everything. I mean, I, you it's, are super loud. It's one of those things where I believe the printer is offline, and it's not telling me how I get it back online. So we'll figure it out eventually. We got the reads online, so not a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, today's show brought to you by PressBox dot PressBoxOnline dot com slash offers. Baseball betting is here. Bet fifty dollars with Maryland's newest sports book, Bet Fred, and get up to one thousand one hundred eleven. That's 1111 in bonus Fred bets, along with other great incentives and promos when you sign up to pressboxonline.com slash offers. Baseball future bets, season specials, and player award bets are already live in Maryland. Go to pressboxonline.com slash offers now for your shot at winning big. Welcome to the Bat Around. I'm your host, Paul Valley. He's Zach Goodman, off and running here on a Saturday morning in the Baltimore Towson area, coming to you live from our press box studios. A little chilly outside, but not too, too bad. Not nearly as cold as it's going to be tomorrow. I did get out on the golf course yesterday at um, at a, an establishment in Hartford County that has won Hartford's best golf course ah, three years. I know that golf course. Three years in a row. And very undeservedly so. I won't name it. Just know that I just told you it's one Hartford County's best three years in a row. You can figure out the rest. Awful. It is Awful. not Bully Rock. There we'll were say that. there were two divots on the fifteenth green. The fifteenth green mm-hmm. that were six to eight inches deep and about five inches around. Significant. Significant on the green. Another another yeah. hole. The ninth hole which is a par three, my buddy was just in front of the green laying one after his tee shot, and there was so much sand on the green from when they uh, had filled in the uh, sand trap next to it that it took him four shots to get onto actual green putting surface despite the fact that his ball after his first shot was technically on the green. It was just awful. And every time I go play there, I'm reminded why I don't like to play there. I like to play there because you score well. I will say that. It's, I didn't. Well, it's early season. I mean, well, m- being in mid-season, July, June, something like that, it's pretty easy to score well there if you're warmed up because it's a open course. It's a big course. I will tell you that I would have scored well. Mm-hmm. One thing about me with my putting is that I have gotten myself into the ability to be able to get to to putt from just about any spot on the green if I'm on the green. Mm-hmm. I had seven three putts yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Six on the back nine. That's what kills me, man. You know that. Well, but the thing is, these putts, you're reading a break, they don't break because there's little patches sure. on the green yeah. that are higher than the rest of the green surface. So you yeah. you roll up, you you putt, and your ball is bouncing all over the place. I've, it was I, it was awful. I've learned around here that you almost have to play less break than you think there's going to be because the conditions of the green No, are, no, no. no. Th- this isn't this isn't I, I know uh, what you're saying. Uh, these particular greens. What you're saying can be correct, right? Mm-hmm, sure. But you know what a what a putting green looks like. What, what the yeah. surface of the putting green looks like. Yeah. Their surface looks like Sandy. the the fairway. Mm-hmm. It looks like mm-hmm. the fairway with little patches all yeah. over it. 
there's no true true reach. It's not good for March either, considering that it's kind of the beginning of the season. People get going, oh, and I feel like they're going to, you know, in about a month and a half, have to have that really nice. You kind of doubt that it's going to be. It's absolutely atrocious. And instead yeah. of spending money to get on their greens and getting their course in better playing condition, they're spending it on these little campy things like watch out for Sasquatch and then a Sasquatch, like... <laughs> cut out in the woods and like like spend your money on getting your course in good shape so you can actually live up to the standards of Hartford. They do have good hot dogs though. I'll say that. Oh, you know, that's not too difficult to do. No, it's not. You know, I, I can make you a good hot dog and not make you, not charge you 40 bucks to play on my You have made me good course. hot dogs. I've had I, hot dogs. I, I've, made you, I've made you plenty of good food. I, I, yeah, you have. I am a good game day cook. You were a very good game day cook. Yeah. I, I learned that. You you had the uh, the bacon wrapped something once once I was there and I, it was incredible. Um, I've done bacon wrapped little cocktail weenies. Those that are might good. have been it. Yeah, I did the other thing where yeah. I made um they were like grilled cheese, but each oh, one had yeah. the, I made like these grilled cheeses with with but with ham and some and I think I ate like sixteen of them. We I, we made like twenty of them and you had <laughs> you had like twelve of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they they were good. They were good. What are we doing? What are, what are we doing today? This is a baseball show. We always start off talking about something else that's not baseball. Mm. Um, and that's what I'm still going to talk about something else. I got here at 10 o'clock on the dot mm-hmm. because my dog, I love Bruce. Bruce Wayne Valley. I love that dog. I yeah, I'm, he, see, I'm seeing Bruce when he comes here on September 9th, Royal Park at Camden Yards. Yeah, not the same Bruce. Do, <laughs> do not use that Bruce and my Bruce in the same sentence ever again, you SOB. Mm. Um Bruce got Bruce Wayne Valley, my dog, my dog, mm-hmm. the best Bruce there ever was. Um, he is very playful, and he's the best thing that's ever happened to my wife and I to this point because we haven't had children yet, except getting married. But it's, <laughs> they're not. I said to my to me and my wife, if oh, she was, good call. You know, um, so his birthday, his one year birthday, is a week from today, and so he's still technically a puppy. And he's a big 90-freaking-pound puppy. And when I say 90 pounds, he's not fat. This dog is lean and muscular. He's strong as a freaking ox. Okay. I take him outside to go to the bathroom after feeding him this morning, right before I leave to come here. It's about 10 after 9. It takes me 30 minutes to get here, so I know that if I leave at 9.15, I'm here in plenty of time. He does his business, a lot of it. It was very messy. I clean it up. I throw it away. And I had to go into the garage, so I have him tied to the pole out in front of our garage. I come out, I take him off the pole, and he wants to play. He doesn't want to go inside. So I go to pull him inside, and he puts, he drops his dead body weight. Just drops, and he's just looking at me. And I'm like, let's go. And he's like, no. So I start to pull him, and I grab the lower loop of his leash, and I start to pull him. And we're playing tug of war at this point. He thinks it's a game, and he squiggles out of his harness. Mm. He squiggles out of his harness. Now, this is like the third or fourth time that he's managed to do that to me. And usually it takes me 15, 20 minutes to get him inside because he's running around and he thinks that we're playing a game. I don't chase him because if I chase him, that makes him run because that's what he wants to do. He wants to play uh, a back and forth game with me. So instead I had to lure him in the house. Needless to say, it took me 10 minutes to lure him into the house. I tried to dive on top of him as soon as I saw him squiggling out of his leash. That didn't work. All that did was smash my knee into the driveway. That sucked. Um, But now we're here and that's why the show kind of got off a little bit later. Uh, but it's okay because we actually don't have a first guest today. Um, Stan, coming back from Sarasota, um, came down with some kind of illness, and his throat is so sore. I did not know this. You know, he texted me on the way when I was on my way. Actually, he texted me while I was trying to get my dog in the house um, to let me know that he was good to do about 15 to 17 minutes. And then I said, okay, that's great. We'll just talk about your article points, and we'll move forward. He... Um, Instead, when I sent him that text message, he responded, he said, I'm so sorry. 
I can't talk. I, I, there's no way I can do it. His throat is... And you remember, he came on the show last year, mm-hmm. and his throat was so sore yeah. that he could only do like 10, 15 minutes. I felt so, bad. Yeah, it, it, and it, if you, the way he's describing it, it sounds absolutely horrendous. So Stan's not going to be able to do the show today. I text... We do have Arrestus Estrade coming on the show um, he's supposed to come on at 11.05. I okay. text him and asked him if he could do 10.45. He has not got him back to me. We'll see um, if he gets back to me. We'll try and call him at 10.45. Sure. Um, and if he's unable to do that, we'll get him on at 11.05. Arrestus does not uh, cover the Rays anymore. He doesn't do he – do, he's not a broadcaster for Fox Sports down in Tampa anymore. But he is an ambassador for the Cebu Lions, um, the Japanese league. They signed him to a contract to be an ambassador for them, so he's going to be making multiple trips back and forth there. And he does have his uh, podcast, Baseball Legends Lounge with Scott Braun. So we're going to talk about that with yep. him. And he's going to—he's still very privy to what's going on in baseball. So we're going to do an AL East preview with Orestes. Um, it, it's great it to have former players. It always is because they bring that different perspective. They bring that perspective of actually having played the game, been there, and seen that. So to me, it's—it's it's always great to have Orestes, no matter what he's doing. He's—he's he's always a great guest. Love having o- him. Orestes was a prolific mm-hmm. power hitter. Yeah. For the Cebu Lions. We're talking, I saw that in your notes. I looked it up. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, like 30, 40 home run seasons there. And then he came back in 1994. It was 93 or 94. He came back. It was 94. He came back over and he had a big year for the Marlins. He had like 266. He had 20 homers, drove in 87, mm-hmm. had a monster season. Then two years later, he wasn't playing. He went back over to play in Japan. But uh, So Arrestus Destrade going to join us here either 1045 or 1105. Hopefully the, the former, not the latter. Um, but the Orioles, they're down in Sarasota right now, and we are less than two weeks from opening day. We are. We are 12 days from the season opener as the Orioles travel to Boston before heading to Texas, before coming home to play the Yankees in the home opener. Um, I, or- by the way, I, I want to just say real quick, <clears throat> I really love that start. I really love that start in uh, oh, Boston uh, and Texas. Yeah. It's so funny. I just had a dream. I just realized I had a dream last night that the Orioles started out like twenty-five and six. <laughs> this, this is that's you, why they're dreams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this is what I. Uh, this is you can tell how much I love baseball, even though I start every show talking about my dog and golf. Um, you can tell how much I love baseball when it, and how much I love the <laughs> Orioles, where I dream yeah. about their starts. Um, they um, they're down they're down there in Sarasota right now. Yeah. Um, Regulars are starting to get more playing time. Pitchers are starting to go deeper into games. Uh, Dean Kramer went four innings yesterday. Gave up two home runs on back to, two runs on back to back home runs. But otherwise, it was really good after shoving in his start in the WBC uh, for Team Israel, who had a perfect game thrown against them. Um, do you consider it a perfect game? Because the game only went eight innings. Uh, it was a walk off perfect game too. Which yeah. is the, the the team who threw the perfect game walked off the game, which. Is never going to happen again. I mean, I saw Jeff Passan tweet it, passing however you pronounce it, and he said this will never happen again in the history of baseball. So I guess you can't really count that as a perfect game. It's an eight inning perfect game. And when we used to have the the seven inning double headers for a little bit, that were you know largely everyone hated. Um, and there were some uh, not perfect games, but no hitters thrown. People said those weren't technically considered no hitters. So I guess you're not going to count that as a perfect well, game. Right. But this isn't something that would ever go down. Even if it was nine innings, it wouldn't go down in like the baseball. Oh no, I'm not saying it books. would. Right. I'm just saying nine inning games are perfect games. No, not any. I mean, it's just, there's a big difference for me. And here's the thing though. A, a, a team could walk off a perfect game. If you're the, if you're the home team, oh, you could be one, nothing. That's true. Yeah. That's true. And there's nothing, nothing going to the bottom of the ninth and you're starting. Yeah, I, I, I didn't game, think about that. You can hit a walk off yeah. home run. I remember the Orioles I think about that. in a Mike Mussina start back in the mid nineties. 
Um, the Orioles won a game one to nothing. Okay. And Musina got the game. I think it was a complete game shutout for Musina. And the Orioles won one to nothing. They had one hit, and it was a Harold Baines home run, mm. and they won the game one to nothing. Um, didn't the sit was it the Reds or the Pirates last year that threw Someone a no hitter? That. But lo- I think it was the Reds against the Pirates threw a no hitter, but lost one to nothing. I want I want to say it was combined though. I don't know if it was a single no hitter. Yeah, it was definitely combined. combined yeah. It was definitely yeah. combined. So cool. But it was uh they lost the game one to nothing despite their pitcher throwing a no hitter. I also remember f- several years ago when Rich Hill was still pitching for the Dodgers, mm. he had a no hitter through nine innings. And not only did he not get the no hitter, he came back out for the tenth, and he gave up a run in the tenth inning, and the Dodgers lost one to nothing. That's rough. Yeah, that's really rough. That's really rough. And that was before the ghost runner. He did give up uh, a hit or two to to allow the runs to score the run to score, and they lost one nothing. But um, but um, so yeah, the, the team Israel perfect game. I say that in, in air quotes in one game. In the very next game, they get one hit. Just some of the most. Epically yeah. um, inept offense <laughs> in the history of baseball. There aren't many guys on that team. Yeah, I, I looked at that roster. It's like Jock Peterson and Dean Kramer, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, you're not getting much on the offensive end, not getting much on the pitching end. It's a pretty and weak team. And Shlomo Lippitz. And especially when you're, you're facing teams like Venezuela is far better than I expected them to be. Uh, the United States is, is really good. Dominican Republic is really good. The, Dominican you're, you're, Republic's out. Yeah, I know they're out, but they're a really good team, and they I believe they played Israel early on. Didn't they, like, round one, I want to say? They, they played them early. Well, the Dominican so, Republic lost to Venezuela their first game, I think it was. That's true. And, and they mm, may have played... I, I'd have to check through. They, but, they may have played Israel, but they... Um, my point was, all of these teams are far more talented than Team Israel was. It's just yeah. not really Well, we close. knew. We, we, said it, yeah. we said it a yeah. week or two ago that Dean Kramer was likely going to be the first Oriole participating mm-hmm. to be back. And sure enough, that's the case. Uh, last Sunday, he was pitching for Team Israel, and on Friday, he's pitching for the Orioles. Right. So we, we kind of saw that coming. The Orioles, they, um, they're playing about 500 ball, which is what you expect out of your team down in spring training, just getting their work in. Ryan Mountcastle sure. and Austin Hayes continue to stay hot to tear the cover off the ball. Uh, Austin Hayes now has three home runs. Is it four? He has four home yeah. runs, um, batting, batting well over 300. Ryan Mountcastle just tearing the cover off the ball and that's what you want to see it is but austin hayes is just such a this is this happens every year i feel like with austin hayes where you have a incredible spring or an incredible stretch and then you know he'll come out in, in april and hit 197 i wouldn't be shocked i mean that's just the austin well, hayes experience you but the austin hayes experience last year wasn't that you know, it wasn't did, that he got off to a really good start last right. year he hit 299 in april yeah and he hit 296 in may You're and right. then in june he hit like 240 or 250 but he had like Seven home runs and like twenty three RBIs. Yeah. yeah. So the the Austin Hayes experience is more, and we talked about this last week and probably the week before and probably the week before that. The Austin Hayes experience is a really good baseball player who, if he is a hundred percent healthy, even if he's 90 percent healthy, he's a good player on your team. No he, doubt. He was tracking to be a five win player last year mm-hmm. at one point and it just fell off a cliff. And it's clear to me that he was playing hurt. It's clear to me, because he's going out there right now, and if you look at your players, right, and again, you don't want to put a lot of stock into spring training numbers, but you go out there and you look at the better players on teams, and their numbers are usually, unless they're working on things and stuff like that, their numbers are usually, against lesser competition, very good. Austin Hayes' numbers, sure. facing lesser competition, they are very good. Yeah. Um, and, and, and look, it bodes well for him, because... And Stan wrote about this, and since Stan's not going to be on the show, we can talk about it now. Stan wrote an article about how um, Austin Hayes and Ryan Mountcastle must produce, and they just might. Sure. Um, Hayes has a lot 
of pressure on him. Heston Kerstad is tearing the cover off the ball, and he may be a part of the Orioles' big league plans as early as the second half of this season. Possible. If he goes down there, because I don't doubt that he's going to spend the majority of the first half at double-A. He may start at double-A this mm-hmm. year and move up to triple-A by June, maybe July, and if he's still hitting well, he's going to get that call-up, just like Gunnar Henderson did last year. Heston Kerstad's proving why the Orioles made him a number two overall pick, and again, it's spring training numbers, but you, this is this is a competition you should be facing in the minors. So what I noticed with Heston is the swing looks different than it was in college to me, um, and I watched a good amount of, I went back after the draft and watched a lot of his college games after the Orioles drafted him, and the biggest difference I see is the swing has gotten so much shorter, mm-hmm. so much shorter. His hands start in a much different place now. They're a lot lower. They're much more on plane. He gets to the ball. He's super direct, much more compact, stays very connected through the swing. A lot of things that are happening right now with Heston Kerstad that weren't happening, uh, you know, even two years ago when he was, or I guess it was three years ago now that he he played his college season. So uh, Kerstad looks like he's definitely developed, and there's some things that it's like, and obviously I think we're going to see a, a pretty productive season from him. I, I would definitely expect that at this point. The swing uh, looks a lot better. Uh, absolutely. And, and, and I just pulled up the Orioles spring stats, and you look at it, their number one hitter is... Austin Hayes. Yeah. Uh, four home runs, 10 RBIs. But he's slashing 409, 480, uh, <laughs> 1,000 with a 1480 OPS in 22 spring at bats. You got to love batting 409 and only having an OBP of 480. <laughs> well, yeah. He, he Well, he's walked three times, but he's also only struck out four times. Okay. There you go. You know, um, so he's ha- and he's got a, a double and four home runs amongst his nine hits. He's having a nice spring. And that's just in nine games. Yeah. And he's leading the team in home runs. Colton Kalser, three home runs, eight RBIs. He had a 476-foot home run to yeah. dead center field yesterday. Yeah. Somebody said this on Twitter yesterday, and they may be right. If he hits that ball in Camden Yards, it might be on that um, on the that rooftop the, the, the rooftop deck. Yeah. It's either going to hit off the top of that wall or it's going to be on the rooftop deck. And if you sit there, because I, I sat there a couple times last year. Mm-hmm. We were there. It is a long way it is. to home plate from there. A long way, and somebody get up to hit a ball there, and that's about where where Colton Kalser's ball would have been there. Now Kalser, you talk about on base percentage, batting just two forty, four seventy two, on base percentage, eleven walks to just nine strikeouts. Um, now look, nine strikeouts and twenty five spring at bats, that's not good. No, eleven walks is really good, and he's got three home runs. He's driven in eight. Then then you have Heston Kirst at three eighty seven, four twenty four, seven seventy four. 1198 OPS, three home runs, a double, a triple, five RBIs. Um, There's competition. There's competition uh, for the outfield. Kyle Stowers' swing looks a lot better this spring to me. Uh, He he still has a little bit of a loopy swing. Oh, yeah. But the swing is a lot shorter than I've seen uh, to date from Kyle Stowers. And the whole point of this is Hayes has to perform because it's his last chance. You're now 20, what, 27 years old? Yeah. You, you've been in Baltimore. Yeah. This is your sixth year in Baltimore now, and you still haven't locked down that this dude is unequivocally our starting left fielder or our starting right fielder. Yeah. And now you got Heston Kerstad, number two overall pick in the draft, uh, Kyle Stowers, a second-round draft pick, uh, Colton Kalser, the number five overall pick in the draft. They're breathing down your neck, man. 
Yeah, I, I'm not even sure Stowers is even in that conversation as much as the other two guys. Colton Kowser and Heston Kerstad are probably two that are going to debut around the same period of time. I would think it would be probably late 2023 for each. Maybe maybe Colton Kowser gets up a little bit earlier because he did have that AAA stint last year for a little bit, even though he didn't hit that well. Um, but Colton Kowser is... It's interesting with him because it seems like the profile has almost changed a little bit. He came mm-hmm. out of college as a guy who was contact-oriented, um, really focused on knowing his zone and making a lot of contact and keeping the swing on plane and doing all the things that you know I, uh, MLB scouts love to see. But now it seems like he's really developing almost more into a power guy. Um, the strikeouts are up. The swing and misses up. The swing looks like it's changed a little bit to, to get a little more launch angle-oriented. It's interesting because... That's you know a change in, in philosophy, a change in, I guess, orientation of his swing. So it's going to be interesting to see what Colton Kowser does power-wise this year. Because if he does add power, he's going to be even more impactful, you would have to think. If a guy hits a ball 476 feet to mm-hmm. dead center field, that dude's got power. You're right. He's, you're right. he's never going to be... And look, I don't think he's the 35 home run guy. Right. I'm not look, saying look, that. Look, it, 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 he's probably he's probably. I'm not going to say never, sure. because we never expected Cedric Mullins to be a 30 home run no. guy, and we never expected Jacoby Ellsbury to hit 30 home runs in the season, and he did that. Colton Kowser, for all intents and purposes, is likely to never be a 30 home run guy, but he can be a 20 to 25 home run guy. Sure. You know, I think 25 would be a, a peak for him, but he can be a 20 homer, 40 double guy, and if you and if he hits 280 to 310 with those on base capabilities. That is a damn good ball player. That's a damn good ball player. He's got to go back down to AAA uh, and prove that he can hit there. But Colton Cowser could have a big impact on the season. Kyle Stowers, I think he's going to get every opportunity to keep a job. I think he's going to join the team. Uh, join the team. I think he's going to open the season on the opening day roster and likely get a lot of time at DH. Yeah, I agree. Uh, um, or in right field if they think Anthony Santander is better suited to be a DH. But... I, I have a little bit more confidence in Kyle Stowers just because even Keith we, we had Keith Law in here. We've said this so many times. He said Kyle Stowers can't hit. Mm-hmm. You say that, but he hit in college, and he hit in the Cape Cod League, and he has hit at, at, at AA and at AAA, and he's hitting now in spring. Uh, you say he can't hit, but he's all he's done is prove people wrong. We'll to, see. to this yeah. point. So, we'll see. Now, do I have as much confidence in him as I do with maybe Colton Cowser or Hessen Curse? Absolutely not. That's what I'm saying. I think it's a different tier entirely. Oh, absolutely. But that's to be expected. I mean, these guys are, you know, top five draft picks. That's what they are. They're, they're top talents that are expected to outperform guys who go in the second round. So, it's not surprising. How about Jackson Holiday? While we're talking, his, I just saw his name on here. Mm-hmm. 19 years old. Yeah. Literally a year ago, looks was, was, very comfortable. Like four walks, four strikeouts. He slashed three eighty five, five twenty nine, four sixty two, nine ninety one as a nineteen year old yeah. in spring training. This dude was getting one, maybe two plate appearances in the games he got. To, he didn't start in yeah. any games. One to two plate appearances in like starting in like the sixth or seventh inning on. Yeah. And that's the slash line he puts up as a 19-year-old. I understand that it's spring training. But he even when he's coming into games, he's facing high A, double A, sure. triple A guys, maybe fringe major league guys. And he's putting the bat on the ball. And he's getting on base. And he's playing solid defense. I think that, that, that Jackson Holiday, you look at him at the plate, do you ever feel like he's swinging out of his shoes? Do you ever feel no. like he's trying to do too much? He just sits there. 
And if a pitch isn't a strike, he doesn't swing at it. I mean, yeah, let's keep in mind, this guy was a number one overall pick. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, of course, a high school guy, and they have a lot of development to do, but they drafted him number one overall for a reason. It's not only where he's going to be, but where he is now. He's already so advanced for his age and, and, mm-hmm. and his body and everything that he's done so far. He's so advanced and so ahead of so many other high schoolers that went last year. So, yeah, I mean, got to keep that in mind. But sure, uh, the slash line's great to see, and it's great to see that he's hitting guys who, again, are, are fringe major leaguers. Well, for frame of reference here. I remember watching Adley Rutschman in spring training two years ago. I, he At times, he looked overmatched to me. Mm-hmm. I never once seeing Jackson Holiday hit the spring felt like he looked overmatched. I would say, though, Rutschman probably started games, whereas Holiday's coming in against you know guys they're throwing out there in the 7th or 8th inning, which is a little bit different. You're going to face lesser competition two, doing two, that. Two years ago, he wasn't starting games. He was coming in. He was coming in. There were occasional ones. Like yeah. if they, if they were on okay. TV. They'd play him. Um... And, and, and again, this was two years ago, and sure. we have a habit of, people in general, have a habit of misremembering things from back in the day. You know what I mean? So maybe he did start more games than I think. But, uh, and, and look, apples to oranges here, right? You're comparing a uh, a catcher who at that time is probably mo- more focused on learning his pitchers, learning how to call games at the major league level, as opposed to a shortstop who is 19 years old and really isn't supposed to be here, but they want to yeah. give him uh, the experience and all he has to do is go out there and and do what he does. And man, he's made some defensive plays too. I mean, yeah. he, he hasn't slacked in that. You've seen the Orioles uh, post on their their social media pages some great Jackson Holiday plays, which is just again great to see. He's he's learning, he's experiencing, and the biggest thing. I mean, it, obviously his dad is Matt Holiday, so he he has that major league exposure. He knows what it's like to be around major leaguers. But being in that clubhouse and experiencing these guys and and being with them and seeing how they do their business on a on a daily schedule, um, you know, seeing when they get to the park, how they perform, how they train. And all of that it's all good for him to see um you know obviously again matt holiday's his dad but still a, a good thing to experience for a kid that young yeah and you can just tell that he's uh, he doesn't have that you know stargazed look in his eyes because he's been there before he's been in spring yeah. training he's met players that he's met hall of famers who right, were in the sure. prime of their career yeah. right so so he's unfazed by this it's not like he's you know Coming, you know, doe-eyed, fresh out of high school and meeting his first big league player and soaking all that in, it's business as usual for him. He's yeah. he's used to it. Now, um, Adley Rutschman, and we brought him up, 5.2 B-War last year as a rookie, second in Rookie of the Year voting. This year, am I wrong in saying I think he's a legitimate MVP candidate? I think he is. I don't know if he is. I don't know if he'd make my top five list. But uh, which we're probably going to do it pretty soon, I guess. Maybe maybe next show. Um, I would be interested to see if he can get in that top five for me. Um, I he, look the offense, the defense, everything combined. He's an incredible player. But you still have other guys out there. Of course, the Mike Trout's of the world, mm-hmm. who I think have just a little bit of a slight edge on Rutschman because of the bat overall. I, I think Rutschman's going to have a really good year. Don't get me wrong. I yeah. could easily see 25 home runs, OPS, I don't know, 8. 880, 890, maybe even pushing nine. Um, but there's guys like Mike Trout who could hit 45 home runs, have an OPS of 1,050, and prove me wrong. So yeah, I, it, it's tough to say. I feel like catchers always have a little bit less of an edge compared to the rest of the guys in the league. That's just how it is I, I for MVP these days. And, and you look at a guy like Salvador Perez. Mm-hmm. He had 50 home runs a couple of years ago. He did. He had 50 home runs a couple of years ago. Years ago. It happened to be the same season. Wasn't it 2021 that he hit 50? I think it was, yeah. And it's a, as a catcher, 
And it's the same season that Shohei Otani announces with authority, oh, yeah, by the way, guys, I'm here. Right. You right. know, and you, now look, the Royals weren't a good baseball team that year. They were they were below 500, I think well below 500. But it's much more difficult. He came in seventh for MVP that yeah. year. Yeah, it's much more difficult for a catcher to win MVP. Now, right. if you're Adley Rutschman and you are a switch hitting catcher who is likely to maybe win a gold glove this year and you're also hitting 290 with 25 home runs and your team wins 93 games, that puts you more firmly. Now, if Adley Rutschman is a seven-win player this year as a catcher and without him, the, the and the Orioles make the playoffs and without him, they're clearly not a playoff team. Yeah. I think that, that's, that that garners significant consideration for the award. However, I don't know how likely that is. And you, like you said, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani. Right. I, Aaron Judge I resi- admit, resides yeah. in your own division. Yeah. Okay? And it's going to take a lot. There's a lot of good players. Now, the one thing you can say is that Mike Trout and Aaron Judge, more so Trout recently, Aaron Judge up until last year, a little bit more injury prone. Sure. Uh, um, Mike Trout, I think, was a workout warrior who probably overworked his body. Mm-hmm. Aaron Judge just had that big frame. And let's not discount the fact that Shohei Otani gets used a lot. He does. He does. He get, I mean, this is a guy who every fifth day is going out there throwing 100 pitches and he's throwing 100 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. And then the other days, he's either DHing or playing right field and uh, and hitting. He's getting 550 at-bats a year, 600 at-bats a year, and he's throwing 160 innings a year. Yeah. And... Uh, to me, and, he, and oh, by the way, now he's also pitching in the World Base, Baseball Classic right. where he's ramped up even more because it's a, it's, a, it's a country pride thing. I'm not saying that Otani's going to get hurt. I'm not wishing on him to get hurt. You can overuse a player. You can 100% overuse a player. And the Angels, I think that they're so focused on winning this year that they are more concerned about that than they are about keeping yeah. their, 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 their player healthy maybe maybe arguably the best player in the world yeah maybe the best player ever when you look at what he can do on both sides of things no doubt um uh i I think he is i i really think otani is the most talented player to ever play the game i i mean 9.6 war last year 9.6 war the guy's incredible he does everything and he came second for mvp so that just shows how hard it will be for for rutchman judge's war was above 10 it was, right. I mean, hit 62 home runs, 131 RBIs, OPS of 11-11-11. So, um, 11-11-11. That's a lot of ones. Just, just, 11-11-11. Just two 11s, actually. By, by, um, <laughs> by the way, but, 11-11 for um, Fred Betts. From, no, press bo- from pressboxonline.com oh. slash offers. Get your Fred Betts right now, and you get 11-11. By, by putting that on my log? 11-11-11-11. Jordan Alvarez is a guy who came in third last year. Jose Ramirez is an exceptionally good mm-hmm. baseball player. There's a lot of other guys. Oh, Jose Altuve was fifth last year. So there are other guys that will be in the running for that. So Absolutely. AL MVP is a tough contest. And again, we're going to break down, I would guess, our, our five guys next week, something along those lines. Um, three guys, five guys, whatever it is. We're, uh, we're, we're going to discuss that a little bit later in the sure. show and, and try and figure out what we what we want to do regarding that. Okay. Um, yeah, Aaron Judge, 10.6 war last year. Though. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, these guys are incredible. So Adley Rutschman had five point. What three war five point two five point two B through war. what uh, he played one hundred and twenty one games last year. Right. He didn't get his start till the third week of May, yeah. and he finished second in the in rookie of the year voting. If he had started the year with the Orioles, a maybe they win ninety games last year, sure, and b 
that war is probably what six, six could, and a half. Could have been. And uh, so I, I think you're saying all goes well, eight war this year. All goes well. If all goes it's well, eight, eight war, eight okay. war, right? It, it, I don't. I, I expect. I, I expect it, Rutschman. And, and so far this spring, he's done nothing to sway my opinion on it. Mm-hmm. I think he's taken a massive step forward, and I also think. People know who he is. Looks better and, from the right side, too. And, well, yeah, and he even said, he said last year was the first time in his entire life that he hit worse from the right side than he did from the really? left side. Wow. That's what he said. It's the first time in his whole life That's weird. that he hit worse from the right side. And he, Mullins, Henderson, they all focused on getting taking better at-bats and, and having better production against left-handed pitchers this, this offseason, which I think he's going to show this year. Adley, to me, I expect that he's going to be an MVP caliber player for the Orioles. And I think MV, most valuable Oriole, assuming health, assuming health as we knock on wood here, I think that's in the bag for him. I think it might be in the bag for the only way that it's not in the bag for him for seven, eight years in a row is if A, he's not here, mm-hmm. and B, <laughs> um, they just say, you know what, we got to vote for somebody else this year. Well, let me let me put it out to you this way: What if Cedric Mullins has a thirty thirty season again, and Adley Rutschman does what we expect him to do? Who's winning Most Valuable Oriole? I would still expect it to Adley. be Rutschman, but yeah, Adley, yeah. Adley, thirty thirty is pretty special. I don't think Cedric's going to go thirty thirty ever again. I think you can see twenty five thirty. I I think that thirty home runs for him is an outlier. Yeah. But I do think that I mean he hit sixteen last year and stole thirty thirty four bags. I do think that a 20-25 homer season is possible for Mullins. I think he's going to have a, a better year this year than he had last year. Okay. I, I think that he's going to have closer to his 2021 season, just based on the way I've seen him swing the bat and the things that we've heard about him this spring. I think he's going to be better. Than, and last year he was, yeah. he was a damn near four-win player right. and a gold glove finalist. So um, what else do we want to cover here? Well, oh, I, I want to talk a little bit about the WBC. We're kind of bouncing sure. all over here. Um, I kept saying to Stan that it makes me nervous having Orioles players go to play in the WBC, and then sure enough, um, what was it, the, the Puerto Rican team that beat the Dominican the other night? Believe so, yeah. Edwin Diaz, yeah. does he play for Team Puerto Rico, is that it? Believe so. So he goes out there and gets the save and a big win, knocks the Dominican Republic out of the World Baseball Classic, the, the yeah, odds-on favorite, and... They're jumping up and down celebrating, and his foot lands the wrong way, and he tears his PCL, and he's out for the year. It's unreal. Out for the year. And now people are coming out of the woodwork. Oh, that's it for Major League players participating in the World Baseball Classic. He shouldn't have been there. They shouldn't have let him do that. If he hurt his knee that badly celebrating, don't you think it was bound to happen at some point? And the other thing here is injuries happen in baseball. Injuries happen. It doesn't. They can happen at, in the World Baseball Classic. They could happen next Thursday in a random spring training game. They sure. could happen in August when your team's in the middle of a pennant race and a guy slides awkwardly into second base. Injuries happen. Human sport. Yeah. And so now you're going to say, oh, no more Major League players are going to take part in the World Baseball Classic because of this. That's not doesn't true. make a lot of sense. That's, That's not, a, not a valid argument. And you look at, I don't know how much pride there is on the American League team. Uh, American League, American, the U.S., the United States yeah. team, American League. Wow, uh, I don't know how much there, you, there's pride. I don't want to call anybody's uh, national pride in the question here, but for these Dominican teams, these Japanese teams, these Korean teams, this is huge yeah. for them. It's huge for their country. They're all going to want to take part in this because it's a, it's a it's a national pride yeah. type of thing. So no, you're going to have very few major league players going to get invited to play 
in this tournament four years from now, they're going to say, Edwin Diaz got hurt celebrating. I don't want to do it. Yeah. I, I just don't think that's going to happen. There might be a couple. Right. But I just don't think it's going to happen. I mean, he could have been at a birthday party and done the same thing. He, he could have been jumping up and down on a moon bounce with his kid and <laughs> right. done the same I damn mean, thing. I there, mean, there's basically like 30 ways he could have done that. Um, probably more. So I, I really wouldn't worry about that. And I think that narrative is going to be exhausted pretty quickly. I can't imagine that's going on for too long. And if you honestly believe that the Mets season is ruined because, because, Edwin, of, Edwin Diaz. because of Edwin Diaz being out for the year... Come on. Come on. You haven't looked at the roster, if you believe that. It, it, one. And two, the Orioles played most of 2014 without Matt Wieters and without Manny Machado, and they won 96 games. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. The, the, the Mets are going to be absolutely fine. And I guarantee you that there will be a storyline halfway through the year about somebody who's filling in as a Mets closer who has... 21 saves and 24 opportunities with a 2.12 ERA. Sure. And do the Mets really need Edwin Diaz? That's going to be a freaking storyline. It's going to happen. You know the New York Post is going to put that out there. You it's know that. It's going <laughs> to happen. Sure. All right. The Orioles have four guys in their bullpen that could close for them and be effective reliever, be effective closers. It's good. No. The Mets are fine. The Mets are fine. Brandon Nimmo. Um, it's Brandon Nemo that plays for the Mets. He's still yep, with the Mets? He does. Yeah, yeah. Um, he got hurt it, uh, two days ago, in a, or maybe yesterday, in a spring training game. I think he tweaked a hamstring or something like that. Are you going to cancel the, the spring season now? Are you going to cancel the Grapefruit League? Uh, oh, no. Oh, no. These guys, they these baseball players, we can't let them play baseball. Not during the spring. We can't let them play baseball because they might get hurt. Get the F out of here. Get the F out of here. Just shut the hell up. And move forward, which is what I'm going to do right now. Go ahead, Zach. I know. I just love watching your rant. It's fun. I, I sit here, and I I need some popcorn over here next time you do that. Somebody somebody said to me on Twitter, they were like, imagine it was Adley Rutschman that got hurt. Yeah, I would be freaking devastated. I would yeah, be, I mean, be beside myself. But stuff happens. Stuff happens, and I'm not going to sit here and say no major leaguers should play. Right. I'd say, Orioles, stop letting your players go to the WBC. But that's because that's my team. Right. I don't care if other – if if I don't know. who's Who's a player – that if Manny Machado, I love uh, a lot of people don't love Manny Machado. I love Manny Machado. I will always love Manny Machado. If the Padres let him go play in the WBC and he twists his knee and he's out for the year, uh, am I going to be mad at the Padres? For, no, I'm not going to be mad at the Padres for letting him play. I'm going to. If it happens to my team, yeah, I'm going to be upset because it's my team and I want to, and it's the best player. Well, it's the free will of Manny Machado to go do what he wants to do. Manny Machado wants to go play in a Edmund Diaz, whoever it is. They want to go play. They're allowed to go play. It's not. It's not the team's fault. It's not anybody's fault. It just happens. Stuff happens. He again. He mm-hmm. could have done this jumping on a moon bounce. You, you don't yeah. know. No, you more. don't know. Edwin no, uh, Diaz in your next contract, it's going to say no, no moon bounces, <laughs> no moon bounces at, bounces at, at, at your, your kids' birthday parties. They but, are uh, Paul, I prohibited. Gotta, I got to ask you behind you what the Lamaro meter is. I really, <laughs> I really got to know. I've been staring at this the entire show. Oh, it's if, on if, camera. If you're following Glenn, I, I know you follow Glenn on Twitter. You I do. I haven't seen it though. Um, so they post this. It's the chances that Lamar plays for the Ravens in 2023. Oh, it's that's a little high, I think. That's a little generous. He's going to play for the Ravens in 2023. There's not, I wouldn't be so sure. No team is going to give him fully guaranteed money. Um, even I believe that the owner that the owners got together and they said we're not doing this. We're not doing this ever again. Given they got a quarterback, a fully guaranteed contract, we're not doing this. 
there's shouldn't no, have happened in the there, first place. There, exactly. There's no reason in the world, other than that, that a team wouldn't go to Lamar Jackson and say, it's only going to cost us two first-round picks to sign you to a deal. Let's get this done. That's They're colluding. It, 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 there's, no, there's not a doubt in my mind. He will not play for any team other than the Baltimore Ravens in 2023. Does that mean he's going to get a long-term contract? I don't know, but it probably makes the contract that the Ravens offered him in the beginning of things look a lot sexier. So, sexier. Probably I, I just want it to be over, but, you know. We all we'll, do. We'll we do, all do. End of the show, we'll, we'll break that down a little bit. Um, I, I'd rather not. No? Okay. I don't, I don't, Fair I, enough. I have no desire to talk okay. about it. <laughs> I have no desire to talk about it. Um, look, we got... Um, so, what we're going to do here is we're going to take a break. We're going to take our first break. Uh, when we come back in, we're going we're gonna to try and call Orestes Destrade over the break. Um, if we can't get him and he can't do it till 11.05, then Zach's going to do sounding off, and we will soldier on. We uh, Best wishes to Stan as he recovers from his illness. Uh, sorry we couldn't get him on the show, but I'd rather him get healthy and be back to do our Major League Preview, uh, preview next week than um, you know risk it today. So uh, today's show brought to you by... What is today's show brought to you by? You know what we'll do? Uh, it's brought to you by Stan the Fan Charles. Stan the Fan Charles continues to have two great shows for you every week. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan checked in with Glenn Clark live from Orioles Spring Training in Sarasota. And Stan also called up with Baltimore Blast GM Gianni Tuminello. Uh, find those shows under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or pressboxonline.com. Slash video Johnny. I hope I got your last name right. It's the first time I've ever seen it. Uh, Stan and Ross are back this Monday night for another great show with Eric Garfield from Utah Street Report. Bat around. Coming back at you next. Have you experienced hardship due to COVID-19 and want to start a new career path? Look no further than CCBC. Starting in March, CCBC offers short-term career training programs in IT and cybersecurity. And the best part? Funding is available to those who qualify. IT and cybersecurity are growing fields that can provide a stable income and job security. With CCBC's IT and cybersecurity programs, you'll learn everything you need to know to get started in these exciting fields. Call us at 443-840-2222 or visit ccbcmd.edu to learn more. CCBC IT and Cybersecurity. Your new career starts now with funding available. 443-840-2222 or ccbcmd.edu. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. 
At first bite, mm. start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever is on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. All right, welcome back to the Bat Around. Today's show brought to you by the Toyota Tacoma. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. I want to give a, a quick shout-out to my best friend in the world, uh, Adam Bach. I've known him. We met in Foundations of Technology class freshman year of high school. So we're talking <laughs> 24 years ago. Yeah. Still my best friend to this day. Uh, he just welcomed his second daughter into the world oh, wow. yesterday. It's he and his wife's first child together, but he had a, a, a daughter with his previous um, uh, significant other. And... Um, so congratulations to them. It's Becca's uh, first daughter and first biological daughter, Adam's second child. Uh, huge congratulations to them. Olivia was born last night about 9 o'clock, and she is precious and beautiful and itty-bitty because she's a newborn baby. But congratulations, Adam. Love you guys. Can't wait to meet her. Um, welcome back to the bat around. Uh, we, are, we have decided that we're just going to keep Arrestus in his 1105 uh, slot, and we're going to have Zach do sounding off. So, Zach, what you got for us today? You know I love baseball technology news. I do it a lot on here because I do love to see the game advance. I love modernization, and we got another piece of that this week. So MLB has made Zoom, the video conferencing platform, their official unified communications partner and platform of Major League Baseball. So that is the, the partnership that was made this week. So what that means uh, for you know everyone watching baseball this year is that on MLB Network and on Apple TV+, Plus, which are going to broadcast, you know, MLB games that are actually put on by MLB itself, you're going to see replay be taken to a whole new level. It's going to be a lot faster, hopefully, because it was incredibly slow over the past few years. We, we've complained about that on the show. It, it's been incredibly slow, so inefficient. It's going to be a lot faster is the word. It's going to be more interactive. It's going to be more intuitive. And it's going to be hopefully more accurate as well. So there are things they're going to do with Zoom to make fans uh, basically get more into it and and it's going to allow it to be a lot more transparent it's going to allow it to be a lot more engaging for fans to watch which i think is great because a lot of us always want to be engaged in what's going on and and if you have replay one of these things that has always taken so long if you have it be more engaging even if it's going to take the same amount of time it's going to be a lot more interesting for fans to sit through instead of just playing on your phone you can actually watch whatever this broadcast is going to be and the incredible zoom angles they bring in and and whatever else they're planning to do and we'll, we'll see that obviously put into practice in a few weeks here but 
I think it's incredibly exciting. I love this kind of stuff. Um, and it, honestly, they're, they're going to be able to take it, I think, to a whole other level. Uh, there's a lot of things that Zoom can do because they have so many different technologies they can bring in for baseball. We'll see how this keeps developing. And I think it's just going to be an overall good fan experience. I love interactive things in games. This is another one of them. So uh, I'm excited to see how this works out. I agree. More more interaction for the fans, more accessibility for the fans. It, yeah. It's it's very important. And we've seen um, kind of some backlash on social media. over. Like I, I've seen a lot recently for yeah. whatever reason. In, in all different kinds of sports, uh, people saying that, uh, the pl- oh, the players don't care about the fans. Um, you want this guy to get signed. He doesn't, he doesn't think about you ever. He doesn't care. Uh, it, the fans are what make the game. Mm-hmm. Right. The, the, sure. the, without the fans, you have no. There's game. no business. So, right. so making things more accessible, yeah. giving them, giving fans what they want, is ultimately what's best for your league. So, anything that does that, including uh, the whole Zoom thing, is incredibly important to yeah. me. I, I I agree with you. This is a good one. Just more accessibility, more availability, exactly. more 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 interaction. So I saw in this article, but it was by uh, Sports Pro Media. I'll shout them out. They wrote an article and, and said that there's a similar thing going on for golf right now too, that they're doing this with the PGA Tour and it's actually been going on for a little while where they've had Zoom and some other technologies integrated into the broadcast, which has been incredible. If you watch golf lately, you see the shot, you know, the shot trackers and, and the, the tracers and all the different things they're doing with statistics, ball speed, all that in real time. It's, mm-hmm. it's amazing. I mean, they, they've done incredible work on it. If you can do that in golf, I'm sure you can do it in baseball to an even higher level. Uh, It's going to be incredible to see. I'm looking forward to that. Now, what I will tell you is I have no interest in seeing a ball trail on a batted ball real time. I I don't either. That's not... There's too many of them for that to to be plausible. I mean, for example, if you're watching Tiger Woods play around a golf, if you're watching one of those featured groups and Tiger Woods is in your group, you're only going to see him hit, you know, 50-ish, and then he's going to make the, the rest are putts. So... It's a little less, but in a baseball game, there's hundreds of balls that are going to be hit during a game. So, yeah, yeah it, I, I agree with you. Yeah, so, but there, there's certainly a lot of things you can do. You can show spin rate. You can show um, whether it's, an, like, like for example, they want to incorporate uh, robot umpires eventually. I think yeah. that we all agree that's something that's coming uh, at some point, maybe sooner than later. Uh, you can show where that ball if the pitch would have been called Precisely. a strike by a robot umpire stuff like that as opposed to the umpire strike zone so it, it's definitely interesting and you've already seen it where they they have um the umpire grade the day after the game or yeah. maybe just yeah. after the game and how many calls they got wrong how many calls they got right what the percentage of right calls was and the top five calls or top three calls that most impacted the game so it's um where are you on robo umps i'm curious it <laughs> I don't know. The, the, I'm for it if it's accurate. So what, what, um, what I say by that is I, I specifically remember a game where um, it was the Texas Rangers facing, I believe it was the Boston Red Sox, and I believe it was David Ortiz facing Joe Nathan at the end of the game. And Nathan it, it gets a called strike three to win the game on a pitch that landed in the other batter's box. Mm-hmm. And Angel Hernandez called this a strike because he says it crossed the plate in the, it crossed the plate in the strike zone. Mm-hmm. Even Joe Nathan, when they called it strike three to win the game, he went wow. Um, and Ortiz obviously lost his freaking mind because yeah. um, he's David Ortiz. But I'm nervous that a pitch like that may have caught the corner on its way to being a crap pitch, and that's going to get called a strike. I want pitches that are strikes to be called strikes, 
but not if it's across the front corner of the plate before landing three feet outside. That, that's that's where I get a little nervous. So my overall concern was always going to be there's variability in umpires right now. You see that a guy like Angel Hernandez is not going to be the same as CB Buckner, whoever it is, mm-hmm. um, out there. There's going to be variability in what they call in their strike zones. I don't think there will be that same kind of variability with with a robo you know robo ump. There's not going to be calls that are going to be different between robo umps. They're all the same. If that does that make sense? What I'm, um, what I'm getting at. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's going to be a uniform strike zone. It's going to be uniform, exactly. Uniform strike zone. A strike is a strike for them, but CB Buckner's strike may not be the same as Angel Hernandez's strike. And, and I love how you took took two of the worst umpires. Well, in the game, I, just by the, the way. two first I can think of. I yeah. don't know why, but they're they're famous. That's why I thought of them. But yeah, famous yeah, for bad reasons. But. <laughs> famous for bad reasons. But regardless, yeah. Um, yeah, if if you have a uniform strike zone, it's the same across the game. I think that that's better for baseball. I just don't want to see pitches that. And it's mainly because, like, look, look, if a pitch crosses the strike zone at the plate, it, it should be called a strike. But you're going to have so much, like, see, they can't even get this right. This is all messed up because of what I just described, a pitch that maybe catches the front corner of the plate technically when it gets to the plate but ends up landing in, that's on its way to landing three feet outside. Right. And that's that's the only thing that makes me nervous about it. But if they can hone it in and they can get it right, I'm for it. Because you need a uniform strike zone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, the field dimensions are different everywhere. The only thing that's the same is the infield, right? But the field dimensions in the outfield um, are different all across the league. Uh, you need something uniform when it comes to officiating and umpiring a professional sport. And I think that that's, uh, if they can do that effectively, I'm all for it. So, um, hmm. A little bit. We finished up your segment a little bit earlier than than anticipated. Do you want to talk a little bit about uh, Jordan Westberg and Joey mm-hmm. Ortiz? We had somebody on Twitter the other day saying Joey Ortiz looks like a legitimate everyday starting shortstop, um, and we've been talking about this for four or five months now. We have. How hot is Jorge Mateo's seat? First and foremost, uh, I'll do it on the Lamar meter. Um, <laughs> I'll give it. it it's like. It's getting there. It's it's over the fifty percent marker on the Lamar meter. It, it it's getting there. It, yeah, it, his seat is somewhat hot it, because it all depends on OBP, and mm-hmm. it always has for Jorge Mateo. It, it's it's all on OBP, and I don't necessarily think that he's going to make a drastic jump because it's hard to do that. You've, you've got to cut down on swing and miss. You've got to start stop chasing. You've you've got to start understanding your zone a little better, uh, and that's a tough thing to do for a guy that has really had a swing and miss kind of career. So I, I'm not entirely sure that he's going to make a, a drastic jump. So his seat is somewhat hot. But I don't think Joey Ortiz is the can't-miss prospect that everyone else thinks he is. I'm just not that high on, on Joey Ortiz. Sure, defense is great. He's had one good year at the plate, and I want to see him do it at the major league level. That's all. I don't know necessarily that he's going to be a better hitter than, than, uh, than Jorge Mateo. And he might have a higher OBP, but he may not hit amount, the amount of home runs. He may not be able to get on base as much. Um, that's not true. He will be. He probably will be able to get on base more. Yeah, but. I mean Jorge Mateo last year, two twenty one with two sixty seven. Yeah. All right, so on, on on base percentage, the power you, numbers though. And then you go to go to spring, one ninety two with a two fifty on base percentage and a two thirty one slugging percentage. His OPS is four eighty one in spring training. The defense is great, but if Joey and Joey Ortiz has already been reassigned to minor league camp, right? So he's not going to open the season on the roster. Yeah. It doesn't mean that he can't be here by June. If you're going into this season and you're 
a month and a half, you're five, six weeks into the season, and your team is maybe hovering right around 500. There are a few games over 500, and Jorge Mateo's hitting 192 with a 250 OBP and a 481 OPS. You got to make a move. Mm-hmm. You got to make a move because that's an automatic out at the, at the bottom of your order. This guy should be trying to bunt every single game to get on base. He should be so much more selective because, like, look, know your limitations, know what you can do, know what you can't do. And what you can't do is hit. What you can do is run and play good defense. And if you can get on base at a 330 clip because you're more selective at the plate, that's going to, one, it's going to make you a better hitter. Two, it's going to make you more valuable to your team. You're a 3.4 win player last year with a 221 batting average and 267 on base percentage. Imagine if your on base percentage is 70 points higher. Yeah. Imagine the stolen bases. You led the American League with 35 steals last year. Imagine if your on-base percentage was 70 points higher. You would have stolen 50 bags. You would have stolen 50 bags last year. Your value to the team is getting on base any way that you can. We don't need you to hit home runs. They got five or six guys that can hit 20 to 30 home runs. Don't need that from you. What we need from you is defense and you on base to utilize your best weapon, which is your speed. Joey Ortiz, not that kind of speed, but he can play similar defense. And the thing about, um, and I think we talked about this, the thing about Joey Ortiz th- that people don't realize as compared to Jorge Mateo, Mateo's defense was so good because he's so damn fast that he could get to balls that other people can't get to. But I saw in one game that Bruce Zimmerman started against the Yankees in April. It was actually the day of the NFL draft, the mm-hmm. day of the first round of the NFL draft. Um... The Orioles were, were, were leading that game at one point, and they lost. They made five errors. Three of them were by Jorge Mateo on routine ground balls that he tried to glove to, the, to his backhand side. That he didn't need to glove to his backhand side that he either that he booted, and basically I think one of the errors was he booted it, picked it up, and threw it away, and he had a couple others where he just straight up just didn't catch the ball. Ortiz makes those plays 99 times out of 100. That's the difference there. And if Ortiz's bat can be 240 with a 320 on base percentage, he's already more valuable to you than, as an offensive player, when you combine his defense, than Jorge Mateo is. I think Jorge Mateo's seat is very high. Okay. I think, as far as an everyday player, I think he has value as a utility player, especially when you consider the fact that he can play the outfield as well. Now, Jordan Westberg, on the other hand, Adam Frazier hasn't shown us a lot this spring, right? Ramona Rios hasn't shown us a lot this spring. Jordan Westberg has. You've seen a good bit. He's got he's got versatility. Maybe he needs a little more seasoning, but this is a guy who spent 90-plus games at AAA last year, which is your organizational minor league player of the year, and he's having a solid spring. I don't think he makes a team out of spring training, but I don't think his time is very far away. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just don't buy into the spring training numbers that much. You know, Frazier and, and Arias, are, uh, they're both guys that have hit at the major league level and, mm-hmm. and pretty well um, over a significant period of time that I'm confident in saying I believe they're going to hit at the major league level come April and May. Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily think that's going to be the biggest difference. And and you saw, for example, a guy like Anuri Tavares, who was a, a Rule 5 draft pick for the Orioles many years ago, hit really well in spring training. He hit like 417, something along those lines, and he got cut. So there are things that just don't always you know, play out as far as spring training goes. Jordan Westberg is a good hitter. There's no doubt about that. But I'm not necessarily going to say right now that he's going to be up early. I don't know. I mean, it, it definitely could depend on the injuries because there will be one. You know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. But Jordan Westberg is a talented guy, no doubt about it. He, he, he's a former first-round pick um, who has done everything asked of him, who's 
progress through the system at the pace that you expect him to progress through the system. And, and to this point, do I think that he should take a job from Arias or Frazier at the beginning of the year or at any point during the season? I'm not necessarily saying that, mm-hmm. but, but I guess more so is if you're going to move Mateo to the bench and it's not Ortiz, yeah. it could be Westberg. Sure. Westberg has has had a he had, he's had a great minor league career to start his to start his young professional career, and he's he's done nothing this spring to make you think differently about him. I'm not Fair saying enough. he's been a world beater and that he should be on the opening day roster in the opening day lineup, but he hasn't done anything to change your opinion that he might be a key player for you. Yeah. as early as this season. Fair enough. So, um, all right, why don't we try and get? Do you have Arrestus's number? I can look for it. Um, why don't we give him a call? Today's show, again, brought to you by, is brought to you by Glenn Clark Radio. Press Boxes Glenn Clark Radio is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys called up with the NFL Network's Daniel Jeremiah, former UMBC coach Ryan Odom and Maryland offensive lineman, soon to be early round NFL draft pick Jalen Duncan. You can find those interviews and more right now in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at pressboxonline.com. Uh, we have Orestes Destrade coming up here in just a matter of moments. Rolling right along here on the bat around. We're 12 days from the start of the season. The Orioles, their rotation, their lineup looking good as we get closer and closer by the second to the first game of the year. And we've seen this starting rotation this this spring go... Been a little bit bumpier recently. Been a little bit bumpier recently, but up until then, the starting pitching's been really good. And when I say bumpy, Cole Irvin gave up two runs in four and a third the other day. Dean Kramer gave up two in four innings. But what we have seen from this team is that the five guys that we expected to be in the starting rotation to start the year, and that's Kyle Gibson, Cole Irvin, Dean Kramer, Kyle Bradish, and Grayson Rodriguez, they've done nothing to to take your mind away from them being the five guys. Whereas Alexander, Alexander Wells, Tyler Wells, and um, uh, both, they have not pitched particularly well. Right. So it's you kind of feel good about where you are with the starting rotation. It looks like Wells and both are probably going to be taken for the bullpen, uh, which is probably better for the team, honestly, especially when you consider Wells can be a back-end reliever for you. Mike Ballman is also being moved to a shorter to a short relief role. Um, I don't know if that means he makes a big league club out of spring training like he did last year, um, but I think that which is kind of a shame, right? Like when I when I think about it, like I, we had such high hopes for him, and he still has yeah. been. He's been an effective big league pitcher at times. He's been a great minor league pitcher, but it's also on the one hand, it's like man, I really wish he would have gotten more of an extended look. But the Orioles aren't in a position now where they can give a guy in their starting rotation an extended look. If he can help them more out of the bullpen, as opposed to DL Hall, who I still think has the 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 ability to be an elite starting pitcher all yeah. throughout baseball. Mike Ballman, if he helps you better from the bullpen, I think we can be okay with that. But it makes you kind of sad because he had us all, especially after that no hitter, where he's 
He threw his fastest pitch of the game in the ninth inning of a no-hitter a couple of years ago at AA. You had high hopes for him, and he can still live up to those just in a different role. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, it's we're going to have to see how this goes down, but it is good to have options, and the Orioles do have options at the moment, and that, that's you know great to see. Um, Austin Voth is still a huge question mark to me based on what he did last year in Washington and then came over to the Orioles and was a lot better, and whether that was Chris Hole or what he did individually, I don't know. But he got a lot better regardless. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that success is necessarily going to transfer over, and I talked about it with CNL Perez last week that I think there's going to be imminent regression there. I think Austin both could be the exact same thing. So, you know, it's great to have options, and I'm glad to see that there are a lot of guys pitching well. Some guys haven't pitched so great. Like you mentioned, Tyler Wells hasn't been off to an incredible start, but the Orioles do have depth uh, for the most part. And I, I would expect a waiver claim would come within the next two weeks or so because there is that day uh, of roster cutdowns that really towards – Right before opening day, you, you always get a few days of roster cutdowns. There will be a guy the Orioles will pick up on waivers. I'm oh, pretty confident. I, I'm, I'm sure of that. We, we saw that with Joey Crable last year. And we, we saw that with Pedro Severino. I think it was in 2019 when he became the Orioles' everyday catcher. And they didn't pick him up till like two weeks before the season started. So we've seen it. It can happen again. It likely will happen again. They do need a little bit more help in the bullpen because of the injuries and some of the ineffectiveness. Crable's been a lot better recently. Um, but still, he he pitched so poorly um, to start spring training and so poorly the second half of the season last year that that um, you don't have high hopes. Brian Baker is the one who's really surprising me right now because he pitched at times during the season last year, he was really good, and at times he was really bad. But the last six weeks of the season, he was he was their their best their best reliever. He was their best reliever coming out of their bullpen down the stretch there. And you thought that maybe he had figured it out and there was something that he could do. Um, d- don't worry about it, Zach. We'll take a break and, and, and try and figure it out during, during the break. Uh, having a little bit of trouble f- uh, connecting with Orestes today. In his voicemail, so. Yeah, yeah so I'll, um, I'll give him a shout over the break and see if we can't still get him. Um, not a great show today as far as our guests being able to do it. Stan's sick and Orestes, um, it, it may, it, he might have just forgotten or maybe it's one of the, maybe it's one of those things where maybe he's in Japan. I, I doesn't I, recognize the number. Who knows? Yeah, it, exactly. Multitude it, of things. When we call you, it start, it comes up as Maryland Jewish something. So when when yeah. somebody calls you from that number and you're expecting it to be a sports talk radio show, you're probably like, oh, this is a spam call. So I'll um I'll try and get in touch with him over the break and see what we can do there. Awesome. But yeah, Brian Baker, I was expecting him to have a better spring. Yeah. He hasn't. Austin Voth, he's working on a third breaking pitch that he kind of um. Uh, showed last year at times during the season, and if he's just trying to get that under control, maybe that's why the results haven't been haven't been great for him. Um, but Politi, aside from that one game, um, he's pitched pretty well. He's serving himself well. Michael Givens has been good. Uh, you need to get through the first month and hopefully get Dylan Tate back and have no setbacks with him. And then you can kind of be off and running with yeah. your bullpen. But there's there's a, and that's why a guy like Mike Bowman and Tyler Wells moving to the bullpen is better for your team overall. And with Tyler Wells, it's a matter of... The Orioles were able to get him in the Rule 5 draft because he was he had been hurt so much. Right. He hadn't pitched in two years, and he hadn't pitched above a couple of games at AA uh, to that point in his career. And then last year, he had two different stints on the IL, including the, the, the last one that ended his season... If you put him in your rotation, is he going to be able to make 25 starts for you? I don't think that's possible. Right. I mean, so, I, I don't think he would ever go over... What ninety innings, ninety five? 
No, he had like a he 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 was. I think he had right, more. but I'm saying after last year. I, I, oh, yeah. I can't imagine that. I mean, maybe 2024. That's possible. Right, but, but I, I but don't it, see it this year. I, I think he may have already been pushed out of the rotation plans for his career. Oh, no, you're probably with, right with with you're Baltimore right. based on what they have and what's coming. Um, By the way, I. This is completely off the cuff and just off the top of my head. I could see Tyler Wallace as a trade candidate. I could see him. I could see that. Some team says, hey, we want a five starter. This guy has pitched a little bit as a starter and and had, you know, reasonable success. Let's try him. Yeah, I could see see that because, look, if the Orioles are making a trade at this point, it's probably for something that significantly helps their team, Mm -hmm. right? So, or it's for something like, you know, we have this prospect who we think needs to play every day. But he can't with this guy here, so let's trade him and get something back that maybe can help us now or down the line. One thing I, I know the Orioles are going to do is they're going to keep trading for prospects. That this mm-hmm. is not going to stop just because the rebuild might be over, if you want to call it that. They're not going to stop trading for prospects. Well, they want to keep the farm system good. And the overall plan is to be picking in the bottom third of the draft. Um, and honestly, you you'd rather be picking in the bottom fifth, bottom eighth of the draft. Um, and so. In order to, to do that and still keep your pipeline churning along, you do have to trade for prospects. Now, that's what Tampa Bay's done, but they've done it to the extent where they don't keep anybody. You know, the, the, uh, aside from Evan Longoria back in the day and now Wander Franco, they don't keep anybody. And with that in mind, you keep hearing, you've heard John Angelo say, I think that they want to uh, say, compare the team. We want to be like the Tampa Bays, the Clevelands of the world, the Milwaukee's of the world. Um, you've heard Bruce Cunningham on his show say, I think the Orioles want to be Tampa Bay. I hate that. I absolutely hate it because you have no players that you can get attached to. They, they, they play for you for four years, and as soon as it's like time to pay them an exorbitant amount in, in arbitration or sign them to a long term extension, you're getting rid of them. What are your thoughts on that? You look at those teams that, that Angelo's mentioned, Cleveland, Milwaukee, Tampa Bay. How many World Series championships do they have since 1948? Well, like I said, I, I think it's a mistake to put labels on anything. I, I don't like saying in the definitive, we're going to be this because I just decided today. You know, it, it was a weird comment by Angelos to say that. And to me, even if he had said, hey, we're going to be Houston, we're going to be the Yankees, we're going to spend all this money... To me, it's always right player, right price. That's always the way I think. Um, and if the Orioles see a guy they want to trade for, if they see a guy they want to sign, they should be able to do so. And They shouldn't have to follow a specific model uh, from another team. I, I don't necessarily think that makes a lot of sense. So for me, it's not so much about the label. It's about how the Orioles themselves want to operate. Try to make your own label, right? Uh, try to make your own label about how you want to operate and sign the guys you want to sign, trade for the guys you want to trade. You don't need to come in with a predetermined number you want to spend every offseason. I don't think that makes any sense. But my only thing that, that I, I agree completely with Angelos on is that the Orioles do need to keep the farm system stocked, completely stocked. Mm-hmm. That is incredibly important. You look at Houston and how they've continued to feed the pipeline. That's how they continue to stay so good. Jeremy Pena comes up, takes Carlos Correa's spot. Mm-hmm. Kyle Tucker comes up, takes you know Josh Reddick's spot. This is the kind of thing that they continue to do that makes them arguably the best team in baseball. Well, yeah, I mean, you look at it in the last few seasons, they've lost... Uh, Jose Correa. Carlos Correa. Carlos Correa. Why? <laughs> I'm thinking Jose Altuve. I'm sorry. Yeah. My brain is not functioning because I'm trying to like sort. There's I too many things going on. There's I agree. a lot yeah. of things yeah. going on right now. Our like our printer's not working, so all the live reads I have to do from my <laughs> email. Um, um, but they they've lost Carlos Correa and George Springer, and they still have gone to the World Series what two years in a row. Yeah. And they won the World Series this past year. That's what happens when you continue to turn out a good pipeline. But what's also happened in there is that they've kept Jose Altuve. 
and they kept uh, Alex Bregman. They've been able to keep the guy, some of the guys who they deem to be really, really important to them for the long haul. Yeah. And the Justin Verlander for so long. Yeah, and, and if, if they have those guys in place, and George, maybe you see George Springer. And the thing, about, the, the thing that George Springer and Carlos Correa have in common is the injury history. Right, when they're on the field, they are difference makers for you, but they're not exactly healthy. Now you have Kyle Tucker and you have um, uh, Jeremy Pena. Is that his name? Yeah, my my, it is. my brain is like not <laughs> functioning. Today. And Jordan Alvarez as well, as, right? Right, you know, you, you, and MVP they, candidate. Did he just get? A, he got a big extension too. I believe he did. Yeah, he, yeah. Got, he got a huge yeah. extension because those guys are guys that, in the case of Tucker and the case of Pena, they're younger. And they haven't had the injury history to date. You yeah. can, you're paying them less right now, and they're just as good, right? They're, they're just as good, arguably. Yeah. And then, uh, I, uh, honestly, I would take Jeremy Pena over Carlos. Oh, Correa. I would 100 percent take Easily. Jeremy Pena over yeah. Carlos. 100 percent. Easily, and not um, in Correa's best years, but and, right and, now, yeah. I, I think he's going to have better years than Correa could ever dream of. Oh, he probably will. I, I, yeah. I think he absolutely will. Um, and then Jordan Alvarez is a great one that you you pointed out because all he's done since he got to the major league level is absolutely mash. Break, yeah. And wh- where does he play? Nowhere. He's a DH. Yeah. So all he has to worry about is hitting. That's a guy like a David Ortiz that you signed to a big time extension because you know he's going to post up and hit 300 with 40 home runs every freaking year for you for the next seven years. I saw a predictive model that had him hitting like 50 home runs at age 37. That will be the guy who does that. Yeah, Jordan Alvarez will be he will be hitting at age 37. I guarantee it Um, because that is the guy you you look at the talent. You look at the power he has. That's a body that's barely really ever going to do anything but hit because of the way he's built. He's not really built to play defense and that's going to play in his favor. He's going to have a long MLB career of of huge success. Yeah. And you're talking potential Hall of Fame. Uh, when, yeah, when it's yeah. all said and done, that model now, had him hitting like 600 home runs. Yeah, so, he's, yeah. he's going if if he stays healthy and everything that we've seen to this point shows that he is going to stay healthy. Uh, that's a likely scenario for him to get to to get to 600 home runs. Yeah. Now with the Orioles, who were guys that fit that that fit that mold? Right, Adley Rushman. I think you absolutely have to give him sure. an extension because having a catcher like that that's offensively and defensively sound. Um, we're gonna call him after the break. He okay. texted me. He said eleven twenty. Cool. Um, having a having a catcher like that, who is in the heart and soul of your franchise, that's a no brainer. You extend him. Now the other guys, who's gonna be around for the long haul? Who's gonna be the most productive player at the end of their contract extension? Gunnar Henderson. You look at the way that he approaches the game. You look at the work he puts in the offseason, The way he takes care of his body, from nutrition to his workouts. You name it, he does it, and he does it well. That's the guy that you signed to to a contract extension. Austin Hayes? No. Ryan Mountcastle? Unless yeah. he hits 320 yeah. with 35 home runs this year, you're not thinking about that with Ryan Mountcastle. Cedric Mullins? Maybe. But you need to see him continue to be a four-plus win player every year. And Cedric Mullins likely isn't going to cost you $20, 25000000 million a year. I, I think Cedric Mullins... <laughs> He's really threatened by Colton Kazer, unfortunately, because the Orioles will at some point. Not per- not personally, just overall as a player. Right, right, right. His, his job is threatened yes. at some point by Colton Kazer because Colton Kazer is... I think he has the ceiling of a better player than Cedric But I think, I think Colton Kazer is a left fielder. I don't think... I think th- he can I, play center. I, I think he can play center, but I think that Cedric's speed is better suited for center. Oh, field. no doubt. But I, I would take Colton Kazer overall if you include the arm. Because yeah. Col- Colton's arm isn't isn't anything crazy. It's it's probably 
you know, a 50, uh, 55. But Cedric's but is like a 30. But Cedric's is like a 30. <laughs> Borderline 25, probably. It's, yeah. it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. You know, he and, and the crazy thing is he added three miles an hour to his throw, to his throw speed wow. uh, last year. Went from like 85 to 88, most likely. Dude, that's, along that's, that's high for him. I, I you think, think that's high? Okay. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think that, that's a high number. I don't know. I mean, I, I see guys, you know, at PBR Super 60s who are throwing 90, you know, 95 from the infield, and they're 18, and they're not even top at, prospects. Uh, Adley... From home to second is like 88, 89. So you're talking about a throw from the outfield, 85 to 88. That's a that's a high speed because you got to think about how much a pitch slows yeah, down, you're right. how much a throw right. slows down going further. I think that Cedric's probably. I'd be surprised if he was anything higher than 79 to 82. Yeah, I, I I'd be surprised. But look, I don't. I'm not one of those guys. I don't do that for a living. So maybe he's higher, and I'm just speaking out of my ass right now. I don't I don't know. But, I can um, find out, actually. Baseball Savant has has a lot of data. We'll yeah, find you, out. You, we, we should check that out maybe over the break or at some point during the show. But I also, because the Orioles have, have such high, um, because the Orioles have such such a high number of outfield prospects who we have some faith in, um, I think that it's fair to say that you don't really anticipate any extensions for any outfielders because those are guys that you can continue to churn. And those are guys who right now you don't think of as the heart and soul of your team. You love Cedric Mullins. You love Austin Hayes when he's healthy. You love what Santander can do. But maybe they aren't extension candidates because you have guys who can play just as well, if not better, coming up through your system. Um, I believe that we have Orestes Destrade on the phone with us right now. We were going to catch a break, but we can still catch the... Actually, yeah, we do we have him? Yeah, we're not we're not able to catch a break right now. We'll figure out how to squeeze two breaks in quickly um, towards the end of the show. Joining us right now, though, formerly called games for the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, he is now an ambassador for the Cebu Lions in the Japanese League. He is Orestes Destrade, and he's kind enough to join us here on the Batteron. Orestes, it's Paul, it's Zach. Thanks for taking some time for us this morning. How are you today? Paul, Zach, always a pleasure to come on with you guys. There's uh, no doubt about it. And, uh, and yeah, man, yeah, baseball season is definitely upon us. And we're raring to go all over the nation, all over the globe, if you think about it, because teams like Mexico and Japan and my uh, birth country of Cuba and, and, and obviously uh, the United States are excited to culminate this WBC. Oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're super excited for what's going on right now with the World Baseball Classic. And before we, we get into, into that, I do want to talk about a little bit of you being an ambassador for the Cebu Lions in the Japanese League. That was a team that you played for uh, in the 90s in your career. And what I didn't realize, uh, Orestes, is that you were a prolific power hitter over there for the Cebu Lions. Um, I looked at your numbers last night, and they were eye-popping. How did this ambassadorship with you you and the Cebu Lions come to be? What exactly is your role? How much time are you going to be spending traveling back and forth? Well, you know, it's been really a love affair the last, uh, since 1989, with myself and, and the Sable Lions, um, my my five plus years as a as a player for the Sable Lions, uh, which culminated two different tours. It wasn't just one. It was I was there. I came into the season of 1989 uh, when Sable was struggling. I was kind of up and down with with the the Pirates, and Japan had been kind of coveting me. Uh, through my agent for a couple of seasons. What the Japanese league started doing in the late 80s was was trying to, you know, instead of bring in 
uh, Bill Madlock, you know, Bob Horner, Davey Johnson, Roy White, those names or those that listen or know baseball were like the players that, that had kind of, not to say washed up, but they, they were on their latter part years of their, of their career in mm-hmm. the United States. And then Japan was picking them up and paying them pretty big money to go to Japan as a draw, but not so much as a talent. And they started realizing, okay, well, we're paying a lot of money here, and it's not really, you know, um, you know, bearing that much fruit. Why don't we start, you know, picking guys that are? Well, really was the man for them. The Japanese, you know, in the industry and in exporting and and stuff, are very very smart. They did the smart move, and that's where the success with what they call the gaijin became, and and uh. I was one of those that really, really shined. And I went over there thinking I'd go there for one year, Paul. Uh, really, you know, because I was, I, if you go for one year, break away from your parent company. At that time, I had been traded to, from the Yankees to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, I could, they, they sold me for half a million dollars. I got paid 250 to play five months, which was unheard of mm-hmm. because I was making. Seventy-five thousand dollars that year in the big leagues. Wow! The, the, the major league, the, the major league minimum, the minimum for a major league player was sixty-nine-five. Wow! I was under contract for seventy-five. So, for them to offer me that much, I said, "Okay, I'm going to take a chance for one year, or not even a year, like five months." And and if I don't like it, man, you know, that's it. Well, I loved it. Um, I hit 32 home runs in 83 games. Wow. So, to put it in perspective, Cecil Fielder led the league, the other league, because my league was led by a guy named Ralph Bryan who hit 40, 45 that year in 89. Cecil led the National League, which is the Central League, because they have like a National and American League, you know, DH, non-DH, sure. with 38 home runs in 130 games. I hit 32 in 83 games. Cecil did the one and done and came back to the major leagues and played for the Tigers and the rest was history, right? Right. Um, I, I stayed. They doubled my salary from 250 to 500. Um, and then I proceeded to lead both leagues in home runs and RBIs for three consecutive years, which had never, it has never been done. There's not been a foreigner to this day to lead, uh, all both leagues in home runs three years in a row. And um, there's been two, you know, guys done it twice, you know, two times in a row. Guys that hit way more home runs than me, 55, in fact, 56. Uh, I think they broke the record. But nobody's led three years in a row in both leagues. And, and, and nobody has won three championships in a row. So we, the Sable Lions, were the last team in, in Japan to win back to back to back. Wow. And in that. In 90, 91, and 92, we beat the Story Giants. So this is kind of like a, a, you know, destiny, not destiny, but a, a, you know, a team of the decade type thing that we were building. And I was smack in the middle of it. So the, the kind of lore of Japanese baseball, their bubble period, their period of most like craziness and, and, and hype and, every team was drawing 30 to 40 or 50,000 fans a game was in the early to late 90s. And then the bubble kind of burst with their, what they call Fukeki, which is a 
a, a, a um, what do you call it? Not a depression, but a, but a um, you know, the, the, their financing went down and they were buying everything in the United States. So um, bottom line is that I, I was really built up. I was at the right place at the right time. I kicked ass and the team, you know, just loved me. I went to the Marlins 93-94, the strike hit in 94. I went back to Japan for a couple more years. I go, you know what? I did my major league thing. I led a team in, in, in home runs and RBIs in the major leagues. I'm going back home. And, and home actually ended up being not Miami. In the baseball sense for me, home was, was saved the line and, and right outside of Tokyo. So, uh, again, it's been a love affair. They, they celebrated 40 years uh, recently, Paul, of being in, in, in existence, the Sable Lions. And they, uh, this was in 2018. And they only retired four players in that 40 years. Four. Wow. And I was one of them, along with three Japanese players. That's and they awesome. had a lot of foreigners. So they flew me back over there. 45,000 people showed up. They had Ore, Big Ore, Bobblehead Day. So that's how this all has come, come about. What I'm going to be doing for them is a myriad of things, kind of representing them here in the United States, but also, you know, going back for different events, different things, and, and just kind of goodwill type of matters, along with, you know, traveling over there more readily. The, the, I used to go there at least once or twice a year before mm-hmm. COVID. And then, then everything shut down for three years. It just finally opened up at the end of uh, September last year. So we've been talking about this since, since that uh, transpired, since, you know, since the gates opened up. Well, oh, it's, it is a hell of a story, and I didn't realize just how, how prolific you were over there. So it's safe to say you're a legend over there. There's a, there's a name recognition. A little that, bit. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> they, they know who Orestes Estrada is over, over in yeah. Japan. That's for damn sure. I'm, I think, I'm, heading, I'm, heading, I'm heading to uh, Miami tomorrow uh, and will be at the, the team uh, Samurai Japan's practice tomorrow afternoon, and then they play, surprisingly, Mexico on uh, on monday so uh obviously you know uh, for example there's there's ambassadorships all throughout the united states and by that i mean like it's called council generals there's the actual true ambassador of a country is in washington Mm -hmm. but if you're a big enough country you have other pockets of what i call council generals and they oversee many ambassadors for regions and uh the the kaisan who was the uh that council general for the state of florida is based in Miami, and I'm, he's always inviting me for events, ceremonies, anything to do with Florida and Japan, so to speak. And of course, I'll be next to him while Team Japan is trying to rival for a, for another WBC title. Well, it should be a very uh, uh, fun couple of days down there for you. I'm sure, and you mentioned that your home country is uh, Cuba. And or, or that your nationality yeah. is, is Cuba, and they're going to be playing tomorrow against the winner of the USA versus Venezuela tonight at seven o'clock. Um, so, are, are you going to be in attendance for the game uh, with with Cuba tomorrow? I am not. I am going to be having dinner with the biggest monster of Team Japan, watching the game. But we're not. We're not going to the game. We're actually going to be watching it. Uh, at a at a Japanese restaurant that uh, we're going to be going to, so um, be paying close attention to it, but but not 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 watching it. Uh, the whole WBC and Team Cuba is a and how would I put 
probably kind of like not uh, enough emphasis probably, but I'll leave it at that. It's a very difficult thing for me because not that I don't believe that that Team Cuba should not be involved in the WBC. 100% they should be involved in the WBC. Um, It's like saying that, you know, uh, China should be involved in the Olympics, right? And mm-hmm. in fact, China's also involved in WBC, but they're, you know, thousands of years behind. I'm exaggerating, but, you know, sure. a long ways behind to compete with any of the real prolific teams like Japan, Korea, even Taiwan, uh, Chinese Taipei, as, as they like to call it, but I'll call it Taiwan, and, um, and obviously over here in the Western side. So just to close out, you know, talking about Cuba and in encapsulate in it, I just, it's difficult for me because of the regime, because of the communist power that, that, that basically has, has you know, uh, governed my home country, my yeah. birth country. And uh, so it's also, when you tie in the Major League Baseball to, to, it, to it, Paul, it's also frustrating to even understand, um, I don't know, the, the players that, that escaped Cuba. They did not, they were not like easily, you know, walk out of Cuba to go play for the Chicago White Sox or to go play for any of the 30, uh, you know, 32 teams, the 30 teams. It's basically a a situation where they had to escape. Right. That, that oppression. Why would you want to go play for team Cuba? It's almost like you're agreeing to, the the regime it, it's a difficult thing man and that's really one day. Uh, but we so we you keep cutting in and out a little bit we are you still there Okay. Um, well, yeah, and I I totally understand what you're saying because on the one hand, you want to you want to root for your brothers coming from that country and playing uh, playing to win, but on the other hand, you don't want to root for a country that has oppressed its citizens for so many years. And I can totally understand how you'd be kind of at a crossroads with that. Um, so there's that's something that I I understand not wanting to talk about it too much. How it can be difficult for you. So. Let's talk about a little bit then about Team USA taking on Venezuela yeah. this evening. Now the Orioles, uh, and we, you know, we're in Baltimore, so we're in Orioles-centric show. On, no doubt. On one team, you've got Cedric Mullins, and on the other team, yeah. you've got Anthony Santander, who has been the player for Team Venezuela during this World yeah. Baseball Classic. Now Cedric, I don't anticipate he's going to be in the starting lineup this evening. Not with uh, Kyle Schwarber and uh, Mike Trout being on that team. But what are we looking for with Team USA versus Venezuela? How tight do you expect this game to be? Um, would you be surprised at any result coming out of this game tonight? No, listen, with some of the surprises that have already um, come out of, of uh, WBC, including Mexico upending Puerto Rico, that was that was risky. I mean, I was not expecting Mexico to upend Puerto Rico, especially when they go down 4 nothing. At the beginning of the game, then they shut them out for eight innings and, and they're able to put up a five spot. So nothing is going to surprise me. Um, I think it's going to be a hard-fought game, you know, and, and I think um, – and by the way, just to close out, I have no idea 
be honest with you. I thought Puerto Rico was going to win, and I thought, and then at that point, Puerto Rico would upend Cuba. Cuba is not the power team that they were in past years in the in the WBC, but nevertheless, they're a pretty formidable team, mm-hmm. and um, and I think that it's going to be very uh, very interesting game between Mexico and Cuba. It's a toss up for me, so I, I I don't know. I know whoever wins out of that has got a mountain to climb to beat Japan. That's all I'm going to tell you because Japan is jacked to the to the to the walls. So is Venezuela, and and Venezuela is a a pretty darn you know a, a, a enigmatic team right now. And and uh, I think a lot of people were looking Japan, USA, Dominican Republic. Those are right. kind of like where the the, the the things we're looking at. And they kind of forgot about Venezuela. They kind of forgot about Mexico and maybe even forgot about Cuba, you know, uh, kind of retooling themselves. Um, I love Santander. I think I've been in love watching him and, and commenting about him uh, since he's been up with you guys the last couple of seasons. What can I say about Cedric Mullins that you guys don't talk about almost every day? Right. So you will probably see Cedric Mullins in the game at some point. Yeah. I think the game is going to come down to pitching and and uh, and fundamental baseball of, you know, who makes a key error or error or a key play defensively. So mm-hmm. um, I, I think uh, yesterday uh, one of the key plays was uh, um, the Cuban. <laughs> the Cuban seems to keep on rising in this thing. Uh, Arozarena made an incredible defensive play in the game against Puerto Rico. You know who the Cuban was playing for the Mexican team uh, is, um, you know. So that goes to show you how the fundamentals in these type of short tournaments, you can lack fundamentals for a few weeks in the major leagues, and it costs you a, a bad month. But you can regroup and have five great months, and you win your division. You go to the playoffs, you know. But when you get into the tourney, and now that we're sitting here in March Madness, uh, fundamentals. And, and really strong defense and, and you know, what really gets you to the promised land and to the chip is fundamentals and then having that, that upstart superstar or stars that, uh, that, that bring you the championships. But, man, it all comes back to fundamentals, doesn't it, Paul? It, it always does. Fundamental baseball it is, is so important. And I feel like the game has kind of gotten lost in that they, they, they've taken away an emphasis on bunting and playing defense. It's more so if you can hit 35 home runs this year, I don't really care what else you, you do. Just be productive at the plate. Now you mentioned fundamentals, having that, that, that upstart uh, young superstar and you described almost to a T the Tampa Bay Rays. When, when yeah. you talk about that and uh, Randy Rosarena is one of the stars on that team, along with Wander Franco, uh, I look at Tampa Bay Orestes, and they, they, every single year, I think Tampa Bay is not going to be there. And I, last year was the first year I stopped discounting them. Their starting rotation is excellent every year. Their offense right. somehow at the end of the year manages to be there amongst the top in the league. And you look at that rotation this year, uh, you have uh, McClanahan, Rasmussen, uh, Springs, Eflin. Looks like it's going to be Yanni Torinos with Patino suffering that shoulder injury. That entire rotation looks stacked again. How good is a pitching staff for Tampa Bay as we continue with our AL East preview now here on the bat round? I'll tell you what, um, they are just incredible what they are able to to do year in and year out with 
without uh, going over their budget. They set a budget, and they, man, more than probably any team, stick to it, Paul. Uh, they're unbelievable because in the many years, including this one, you're going to go like, yeah, but just, just get off your budget a little bit, man. Give, give, get the fans here 15 to 20 million more. You know, in the right. big picture of baseball, it's not that much, right? And, um, but they won't. What, what, what they do, gone are a lot of players. You know, think about it. Brooks Raley, Yarbrough, Kluber, Fire Nick Anderson. Uh, Chargois uh, is gone. Zanino's gone. Troy is gone. Kiermaier's gone. David Peralta is gone. All those guys are yeah. gone. All those guys helped for them to, to win over 90 games again, you know, last year. Um, and, and, and But the problem is that, you know, I mean, oh, the, the solution for them is that, yeah, they picked up Zach Eflin, of course, and that was a great signing. I was really happy about that is pitching and fundamental baseball. They got back to that once again last year uh, in the second half of the season. They, they, were, they were not there the first half, but they found it. That's why I say that in a long season, not in a short tournament, but in a long season, you can, you can do that. You can you know, overcome a bad month. And, man, do the Rays do that. They are one of the best, if not the best, team at staying true to doing the small things of baseball and, and especially fundamentally on defense and on offense. And then uh, on pitching, uh, they're always strike one on you. They are very aggressive to get ahead of the count, especially with the fastball, believe it or not, which, you know, is surprising. But uh, they, they uh, are very good at that, and, and then they put you away. So uh, the keys this year for them are going to be three. Number one, can Tyler Glass now who has potential to win the Cy Young. A healthy, truly 100% Tyler Glass now, I put him in the top five in the American League to win the Cy Young. That guy's that dominating, right? Okay. So if he's healthy, watch out for him. And and then it's the shortstop and second base combination of, of Wander Franco and, and, and Brandon Lau. Can they stay healthy? Because both of them suffered multiple, not one, multiple different injuries last year yeah. with Brandon having the, the, the really bad back that kept on reoccurring and then Wander having leg injuries or wrist injuries. You know, I, I, I'm not really worried with Franco so much because I think that it was just a, a, a fluke year. I am worried about Brandon and his back because those things tend to, having experienced it, they, they tend to circle back, unfortunately. Wouldn't they be better served then to, instead of having Brandon Lau play second base, have him DH more? Because that bat, they need him hitting in, in the middle of their, their order every single day. And if he's got the back issues, and I'm sure you know as well as I do, Arrest, especially because I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm approaching 40 now. Um, you, right. you get a back issue, those things linger. They don't ever fully get better. There's got to be some nerves there, especially because Brandon Lau's still in his 20s with him. I, I feel like knowing the back history, shouldn't he be more of a DH than a second baseman? Well, yeah, 100%. But um, they don't uh, – I mean, Brandon, I know I haven't talked to him. He doesn't want to DH. And I know sometimes you don't yeah. – you know, at, at this high of a level, you're, you're, you're making some pretty good coins. They got him for one of those, quote-unquote, sweetheart deals at around four years for $27 million a couple of years ago, right? Uh, to kind of, you know, deal with arbitration a little bit. Uh, Brandon himself needs to 
show his quality so he can get that big next deal, right? Whether it's going to be with the Rays, I, I really think it's going to be with somebody else. If he comes out and has, you know, the year that he had two years ago, right, 30-plus homers and, and, and drives in capably 80 of 90 runs, uh, Brandon's setting himself up for a big deal. For, you know, when you're talking selfishly for him uh, contract-wise. So he needs to worry about this back. But on the flip side, I think he feels like his worth is as a full-rounded player, as a, a really, I think, average to, at times, above-average defensive second baseman. And uh, and that's the, what, what the Rays also feel. So, um, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't see that. I, I think he's going to be playing, unless he shows some signs, He's going to be a second. Not like they don't have a plethora of guys to fill in defensively. Tyler Wall, you know, Tyler Wall. Taylor Walls is, is obviously probably the first one that comes to, to mm-hmm. mind. Um, but those two guys in the in the middle are the key. Uh, Peralta, Team Mexico, um, uh, um, and then and then Diaz, uh, Yandy Diaz at first base are going to also be key because they're going to hold down now first and third. And then up the middle, you know, when you're looking at Josh Lowe, that's a guy that, that underachieved, unfortunately, as a, as a tryout rookie last year. And um, he needs to kind of show up. And then they're putting a lot of uh, emphasis on that, hence the letting go of Kevin Kiermaier. Yeah, look, if, if some, a lot of these guys, and you, you mentioned the main guys we talked about, Rosarana Franco, Lau, Isak Paredes, Yandi Diaz, you mentioned Josh Lowe. If these guys all show up, that offense can be really good. That offense can be really good, and you know how good the pitching is. They could be formidable again in the American League East this year. And I, for one, uh, or I says I'm not writing them off. I've done it too many times, and they've come out to win 91 to 98 games. That's true. You know, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, don't I'm, write them off. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. not going to write them off. What I do want to ask you, and, and I, and I never wanted to ask you this while you were working uh, covering the team, uh, but now that you've kind of moved on to other things in your career, I feel like I can ask you this. How do, how do you feel about the idea, and you've already alluded to this, that Tampa Bay doesn't keep their guys? I, right. I, I look back and I look at Evan Longoria and now Wander Franco as the two main guys that they were like, these guys are face of the franchise type players. We're going to extend them. But Rosarena is not under contract. Brendan Lau, you mentioned he's probably going to get his next contract from a different team. They continue to cycle these guys out and bring in other prospects. And I, I told my, uh, my co-host and producer here, Zach, that – I don't want the Orioles to operate like the Rays because fans can't get attached to a player because right. those players are going to be gone. How do you feel about a team that operates the way the Rays do with regards to really good players not being there for the long haul? Well, I'll give you an example, and it was most recent for you guys, and it was gut-wrenching, right? Mm-hmm. Gut-wrenching. Manny. Uh, Trey Mancini. Oh, Trey Mancini. Trey Mancini. I thought you were going Manny Machado. Yeah. No, no, no. Manny Machado... Uh, became a superstar in Baltimore. I don't know if he became the face of the Orioles. He was becoming the face of the Orioles. But Manny, you know, knew that he was, you know, on the bigger, better things as far as money. Yeah. Right? As far as money. So he never kind of, you know, was all in in that thing. And I, I think the face of the Orioles has been Trey Mancini. It is Cedric Mullins now. It's your catcher. You know, um, um, uh, Double A there. What's his name? Adley uh, Rutschman. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just call him Double A. But Adley, uh, and and 
several other things. Your Orioles are trying to do it the right way, and they will actually spend some monies to do that and keep players at least, you know, into through arbitration. Sure. Okay. Um, I think that's wonderful. That you know, that's the most you can ask for a team that's kind of rebuilding and not a, a megala, you know, power at the box office. Um, so if that's the case, then stick with that. The Rays don't even do that, man. Uh, the Rays are in. If you if you notice, for a while they were kind of doing that uh, under this the regime of of uh, Sternberg, but really now they look at even a few years before arbitration. So what happens? Joey Wendell has a pretty good year. He's in that third going into his fourth year or fourth going to his fifth in the major league. They got to ship him out. Joey Wendell. I mean, that guy was did everything for the team. And, and he was, you know, basically going to start becoming a face of, of a franchise. Gone. You know, the Marlins pick him up. Because what? What's happening? Well, we're, we're, he's going to cost us 4 to $5 million which is the rate of a good guy that plays that pays in the big, big leagues has more than three years uh, for a play, that plays 130 plus games for you at multiple positions. He's gone. Um, G man Choi, kind of in that Joey Wendell bracket. Um, you know, he has to go and you know, they do, they at least kept, they've kept a couple of guys, but it's disappointing because the fans never get really a true, um, time. The last guy was, was Evan Longoria. You yeah. know, you, you get David Price for a little while, he's gone. You get Ben Zobers for a little while, he's gone. PJ up. The list is incredible. Now, you could say, yeah, man, but how much they do that and they still are good. Yes, they are phenomenal. I think they are one of probably four teams right now that are just stacked when it comes to. Not only the talent that's here, Paul, but also the management of that talent. And and those teams are the Rays. Those teams are are, are the likes of the, the, the likes of uh, like San Francisco Giants have always been very good. The Baltimore Orioles right now are um, stacked when it comes to prospects and and how they're you know you think of you know Gunnar Henderson and uh, Grayson Rodriguez and guys like like. Um, Colton Cowser, you know these are these are kids that are right now they're AAA and they're ready to kind of come on. You know the, the other kid Joey Ortiz, I'm a big fan of. So you guys are are, are stacked. Now I think you guys try to keep them for a lot longer. Mm, I hope and, so. And the Rays, yeah, I hope so too because you guys are ready that in the next three to five years you could you know re, be, re, resurrect that great you know Orioles pride of of just a few years ago that were on the precipice of going to a World Series. Um, the Rays, though, here's the difference that frustrates me. You know, they have the money to do that. There's no way you can't say you don't because um, they're making, they don't lose money. I, I, you know, it is a business, but, you know, you need to kind of give you, it is a business of, of consumers consuming your business then give a little bit back to the, to, and that's why I alluded to the 15 to 20 million. You yourself, Paul, knowing how well the Rays deal with, with what they are managing, you know, governing, trading, and putting out on the field, right, and manipulating, because it is a proper good manipulation. Right. If every year they had an extra 15 to 20 million dollars. Yeah. Just for that, 
Oh, my God. That's a difference maker. Well, I'll give you a great example. A couple of years ago, and at least he was helpful to make it to the playoffs. I don't believe, you know, he ended up having a great playoff. You know, they, 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 they putted there in, in, uh, in, in 2021 and I, and they underachieved, I think, but, um, um, Cruz, when they picked up, yeah. uh, Cruz, um, uh, you know, they made a commitment, right. And Cruz and for two and a half months to pick him up and trade for him was going to cost them $5 million. Right. Mm-hmm. But here's to show you the Rays magic, even underlying magic of the books. So it was five million dollars, right, Paul? Yeah. For the second, you know, the quote unquote second half of of the season for picking up um, Cruz. Lo and behold, within the within a, a week of picking up Cruz, they traded Rich Hill. Rich Hill had about a million and a half coming in that period of time, right? So that's off the books, off of the five million that you're going to be paying crew, right? So, and, and but Rich Hill was a main guy. What cost him in 21? All these young kids pitching against, you know, uh, at Boston and pitching in the playoffs that weren't really, really, really ready, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and uh, young pitchers, you didn't have a veteran, Rich Hill. So you gave that up. And oh, oh, by the way, Diego Castillo gets traded to Seattle just like that a week later. Yeah, and yeah. And I'm like, Diego that was a big Castillo. One. Oh, by the way, Paul, Diego Castillo, that second half was not going to be making millions. He was in his third year in the major league. Where was the millions going to be coming in? Next season. Mm-hmm. So that $5 million got offset quietly and strategically by trading within 10 days during the July trade deadline, two massively key players that cost you not having them in the postseason. Yeah. yeah. You, you see what I'm saying? I absolutely so see what you're th- saying. There, there is the, the 5 million, 10, 15 to 20 million that you really didn't dedicate. If you dedicate it, then you have the major victory. Right. Yeah. But oh, we, we get into another can of worms with the major victory now that I'm not with with Fox and Valley, and I'll I'll and I'll drop you this one. Um, if you have the major victory, if you win a World Series, then maybe you don't get a stadium. Maybe the stadium becomes a, a, a more difficult thing to acquire. Mm-hmm. So trust me, there is a method to their madness of you know trying trying that there's not people coming to the stand um, and that there's not, you know, when we need this and we need that. There, there's enough money in the coffers for them to, to go out and win themselves without being winning like the, like the Dodgers, winning like the Yankees, winning like Boston has in past years, a World Series. Well, yeah, sure. Uh, win themselves by just adding an extra 15 to 20 million legit. Well, sure. To your payroll. We're dealing with the same thing here in Baltimore. And ultimately, at the end of the day, you want a new stadium. You want more fans in the stands. Winning in the regular season is nice. You got to win in the postseason. If you want, and you want to get more fans, you want more money coming into your franchise, and you want a new damn stadium, Arrestus, 
All you got to do is spend a little bit of extra money to get your team over that hump. It's great to get to the playoffs. It's great to get to the World Series every 10 years, but you got to actually win one. And when you do that, that's when the fans are going to come out and all the other issues, they fall by the wayside. A couple minutes left here with Arrestus Destrada. I want to remind you today's show brought to you by Problem Gambling. Guys, gambling can be fun, but you should set a limit and stay within it. And remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or simply go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. That's HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. Arrestus, before we let you go, we didn't really, we're up against it. We didn't really get a chance to preview the other teams in the American League East, so we'll do it quickly here. Um, you look at the Yankees, they have a ton of injuries in their rotation and in their bullpen. It could be the first month of the season without some key players. You look at the Blue Jays every year, they're paper champions the last three years, but then they, they fail when it comes to being under the biggest spotlight. Added some nice players, added some left-handed power to their lineup. The Red Sox were expecting to be the worst team in the division, but they're the Red Sox. You can never discount them. And then the Orioles, no. tons of excitement. Number one farm system in baseball. Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson, and Grayson Rodriguez, the latter two, the, top, the two favorites to win Rookie of the Year this season. How does this division stack up at the end of the year when all the dust clears and everything's said and done? Who's the, 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 who are the teams in this division that are making the playoffs, that are winning this div- division and making that deep run into the playoffs? Um, I, I still think uh, the, the addition of Carlos Rodon with the Yankees, uh, the re-signing of Rizzo and Aaron Judge, um, I think the Yankees are still the team to beat. Um, mm-hmm. I think their bullpen's strong enough to weather the storm. Uh, I think when their starters are, are, are healthy and it doesn't seem like uh, Carlos Rodon's injury is, is real, real debilitating uh, as of right now. So then, you you know, you add that Garrett Cole, you add um, uh, Nestor Cortez, by the way, you know. So now you've got four, you know, hammers coming at you. They re-picked up Tommy Conley, who I think is, will help out in their bullpen. So I think the Yankees will still be the team to beat. How well do they do in the playoffs? It's the things we talked about before, how, how steady they can stay on fundamental play. It wasn't the case last year. Um Toronto is an enigma. There's no doubt about it. I think Toronto could win this division, mm-hmm. uh, hands down. I, I, I think they should win this division. Uh, that's how good uh, Toronto is. And then adding Chad Green to the mix was was built. You know, they lost a couple of major powers. You know, and definitely Teoscar Hernandez going. You know, by the wayside and and Guriel Jr. leaving also. But but bringing in like sleepy kind of talent like in Brandon Belt. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think uh, it was 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 pretty big. Obviously, they they shored up the pitching with with uh, with with the other guys and Bassett and Swanson. Green, I think, is key. And then hey, KK Kevin Kiermaier's going to yeah. play great defense over there and, and hold down the fort. I do think it's Toronto's world, and and then they should win the division. I think they won't. In my heart of hearts, I think the Yankees win again. I agree with you that Boston is definitely regrouping. If you will keep an eye out, and and once again, uh, a Japanese mentioned, but you're going to hear about uh, Masaka Yoshida. Yoshida, yeah, uh, Yoshida is the real deal. He's a he's going to be Boston's version of Matsui, um, um, Hideki Matsui. Yeah, that's I, it. I low key love Matsui. He's gonna hit. Yeah, yeah. Say again? I I low key loved Matsui. I'm an Orioles fan, so I I could never say it. But when he was done, yeah, you he can't was, say it. But he, he was, was so damn good. Was he? he was so he good. was so steady. He was the glue. He was the quiet. You know, ninety to hundred RBIs. He would 
20, 25 home runs. Mm-hmm. That's the same thing you get from Yoshida. He'll hit 280 and be clutching in, 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 in what they call pinch situations in Japan, you know, situations where you're in a pinch. Um, the kid's going to be fine, and um, but their lineup is going to going to really struggle overall, yeah. and, and, and they're pitching a suspect. So um, on paper, it should be Toronto, and on paper, Baltimore should compete. I, I see Baltimore competing. I really liked what I saw last year. Yeah, and and the second, and especially in the second half of the season, you know. Um, so, I, I I think you guys could be in the middle of the pack, and and just giving the other four teams fits on a regular basis. What you want to do is at least be giving them fits on a regular basis. I think they're capable of that. And uh, but I think if you have to go one through five, I see it being um, Yankees, Toronto. Um, Rays, O's, Red Sox. Yeah, I think that's how all the national pundits are putting it, too. I've seen some have the Orioles in last place taking a step back. I think they got better uh, over the offseason. I, I do, too. Yeah, uh, so too. Uh, 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 some of the parts is greater than the whole uh, situation with the Orioles right. there. So it's it's one of those things where you could have uh, four teams win 85-plus games and only two or three of them make it. So we'll see how it all uh, plays out. Arrestus, love talking it's with you. It's the beast of the East. Oh, my gosh. Best best division (laughs) in baseball. Hey, we'll talk to you soon. All right, take care. You got it. That was Orestes Destrade. I always love talking baseball with Orestes. You can tell he's just a genuine fan of the game. So, uh, I I would have to say, and this is, you know, no offense to anybody else who's on our show, but he is probably my favorite guest who comes on our show. Yeah, he's incredible. Yeah, he he loves talking the game. He's very personable. Love having him on the show. We are running so behind on today's show. Uh, so we got to catch a break here. want to remind you today's show is brought to you by PressBox Online Offers. Bet Fred, Maryland's newest sportsbook, is now up and running just in time for March Madness. Bet $50 and get up to $11.11. That's $1,111. In bonus, <laughs> Fred bets. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers for Bet Fred specials and other great sign-up deals. When we come back in, we'll do a mini version of Orioles Banter. Uh, that's next here here on the Battle Round. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers started over $60,000 and over $64,000 for lateral officers with $10,000 signing bonuses available. Plus, cadets started over $32,000. Great benefits are available like medical, dental, and vision insurance, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit, career advancement to more than 20 specialized units, and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans. A passion for service, a career for life, with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license, and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has up their game. They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food. 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn over 4100 North Point Boulevard. 
Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to birdlandsports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. I'm Griffin Bass, and I have the extraordinary, mind-blowing, and life-affirming pleasure of being the new producer for the absolute funniest, smartest, and most handsome sports host in all of Baltimore. Wait a second. Glenn, I'm working for you, not Jeremy Kahn. If you're not listening to Glenn Clark Radio, here's what you're missing. He's Coach Kevin Willard. Glenn, thanks for having me. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Mr. Marcus Williams, who's now with us. Man, I appreciate it. Happy to be on. Ravens kicker, Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me, I had a great time. The great. Ray Lewis. Always good to be home. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Watch Glenn Clark Radio at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio or anytime on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Have you experienced hardship due to COVID-19? Whether it's job loss or a change in career, CCBC has funding available for short-term career programs like welding. Our welding program provides hands-on training with experienced instructors, preparing you for a career in a high-demand field. And with classes starting in March, now is the perfect time to take advantage of this opportunity. Don't let the pandemic hold you back any longer. Call CCBC today at 443-840-2222 or online at ccbcmd.edu to learn more. CCBC Welding. Your new career starts now with funding available. 443-840-2222 or ccbcmd.edu. Welcome back into the bat around. Running super late on the show, but we're going to try and tidy things up a little bit here um, as we move forward with the show. Today's show brought to you by Birdland Sports. Hey, O's fans, did you know that one of your fellow fans is the owner of Birdland Sports? That's right. Josh Soroka of the Section 336 podcast is behind Birdland Sports. He knows what fellow fans want and has created an amazing collection of merchandise just for you. From the popular Birds Are Coming tees, I actually wore mine the other day, to unique player cartoon shirts and World Series prediction designs, Birdland Sports has everything you need to show off your O's pride. And with prices more affordable than the big guys, you can support a small business run by one of your own. Don't wait. Head to BirdlandSports.com. That's BirdlandSports.com today and show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. Showing our support for the Birds as we talk about the Orioles as we approach spring training ending and the regular season beginning and it's crazy I said to my wife the other day you know two weeks from now we won't be watching a television show at this at this hour it was like 7 30 I was like we'll be mm-hmm. watching the Orioles playing some some baseball uh and I love that I love that that's coming up and uh some of the things that we expected to see uh was going to be the competition I knew the competition was wasn't really a competition for the starting rotation as soon as Mike Elias said 
that Grayson Rodriguez, I expect him to be in the opening day rota- rotation. In my mind, the competition was over then and there. It's Kyle Gibson, Cole Irvin, Grayson Rodriguez, Dean Kramer, and Kyle Bradish. Not necessarily in that particular order. Do you want me to write these down so we can pull up the 26 man? Is that something you want me to do? or No, we, we, we can do that at a, okay. at, at a different time. I, I think that those are the guys. Now, the situation that you find yourselves in, the real camp competition, is who's going to be your t- your utility infielder? Yeah. Um, and does Politi make the roster? That's does, another one. I think air. he's going to. I think he will too. Because they lo- really love his stuff. Brandon Hyde has yeah. raved about his stuff. And with the injuries, I think that they're at least going to give him a chance to prove yeah. he belongs at the big league level. Uh, had a lot of su- success in the minors yes- uh, yesterday. Last year. <laughs> yesteryear. Um, a lot of su- success in the minors. I think he's going to get every opportunity to prove that he belongs here. And that will include being on the 26-man opening day roster. So your competition right now, Taron Vavra. I was going to say it's an infield competition. He sealed that that up. All he does I, is I hit. I think so. I, all, I wouldn't all, put it at 100, but it's... Well, you look with, with Ryan O'Hearn and you know Josh Lester, some of the other guys that are that are fighting for roster spots. I, I don't want to say he's a hundred percent making this roster, but I would think at this point he's got it pretty pretty close. Twenty seven at bats, and when you look at the team, mm-hmm. you look at the team and you look at who leads in at bats. There are guys like Josh Lester, who you just mentioned, we're going to talk about here in just a second. Probably has about 25. Uh, Taron Vaver has Josh Lester has 36. 30, wow. Heston Kerstad has Ooh. 31. Okay. Taron Vavra, 27, and he's hitting 370. Mm-hmm. He's hitting 370. Um, I think he's locked up a utility role because he can play He can play second, he can play third, he can play first in the pinch, he can play in the outfield, including in center field, which is really important for your backup, um, for, for uh, bench outfielder. I think he's got, it, got a, a spot locked up. The fact that he's hitting so well, he's showing a little bit more power than we expected, and he gets on base. He takes quality professional at bats. He's on this team, okay. As far as I'm concerned, there is a battle for backup first base slash DH uh, left-handed hitting type. Um, Josh Lester, he's in 361. He's got a home run, nine RBIs. He's slashing 395, 583. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, 361, 395, 583. He's got a 978 OPS while playing in 15 games and collecting the most at-bats on the team. Yeah. You said that you think it's going to be Ryan O'Hearn. Josh Lester has shown, in the minor leagues, prolific power. He has. Uh, he, I think I, we... Not huge on-base capability, though. Not that Ryan O'Hearn has exactly lit up the, the numbers charts either, but I, you know, I, the reason I said that about O'Hearn is two things. He has major league experience. And, and he's been successful at the And, and been successful. And he's had a lot more of it than Josh Lester. I think Josh Lester is like five, six major league at bats. Not sure. a ton. Ryan O'Hearn also plays the corner outfield spots. And that, I'm not saying that Josh Lester can't because I he hasn't proven that he can't. But I believe he's more of a corner infielder. So I would think because of the versatility of O'Hearn and his major league experience and success, he might have that spot. He might. I don't know. He, it's it's probably a 50-50 at this point. He, he might, but in my notes, I put this down. Find somebody who loves you as much as Brandon Hyde loves Ryan McKenna. That dude was hitting... You think he's making this team? Yeah. I don't want him to. I don't think he's one of the better players. I, I don't think he's one of the 26 best players, but I think that Brandon Hyde freaking loves him. I agree. And I, I think that he's. I think he, he bats him in the middle of the order. I know. What has he ever done to prove to to say I belong in the middle of your order? I, he, yeah. he Ryan Mc, he's in the lineup again today on a televised game by Masson. Ryan McKenna's making this team. 
Ryan McKenna is going to be there. And then you look at it, so is Kyle Stowers, and so is Taron Vavra. You have three guys right there that can back up in the outfield. So I don't think that O'Hearn's capability to play the outfield matters. I think when it comes down to it, Josh Lester has had well, it, he had huge numbers in the minor leagues. He's had a huge spring. He hasn't done anything to not be on this roster. He's left-handed and he plays first base. And if it's not him, I, I then I think it's Lewin Diaz because of his defense. And Lewin Diaz has served himself well uh, to to date. He is currently let me see, let me take a look at this here. Lewin Diaz is where is he? He's not, I don't even see him. Oh, there he is. Uh, you know what? Two fifty. That I think that they I think they like his defense enough that he could factor in before O'Hearn. Although O'Hearn's batting four seventy four. God, all these guys have come in here. Franchi Cordero leads the team batting five thirty eight. He's got mm-hmm. fourteen hits and so half of them are for extra bases. So you're, you're assuming thirteen position players, correct? Would make the team. Yeah. Thirteen. Okay. So you have your two catchers, first base, second base, third base, shortstop, your four outfielders. That makes ten. So you realistically have three spots to give out. Mm-hmm. So you're assuming those guys are Vavra, McKenna, and Sowers. Then I don't know where O'Hearn makes a team. I don't know where any of those guys make the team. Yeah. And and there's got to be a trade coming. They're gonna make a trade. They almost have to. There's, there's going to. You don't have enough roster spots. And if you really, really, really do want a backup oh, I, first up, baseman though. to bats left-handed, you they have to make a trade. So I put this in. That's ten. But we're forgetting that Arias isn't going to be a starter. That's or, what I'm or saying. Mateo. So really, Vavra, McKenna, and Stowers. One of those guys is out. Then it's only two of those guys. Because if you throw, so you have you have Rutschman, McCann. Well, right. Didn't you say wasn't he wasn't Arias one of the three that you mentioned to me? Arias. You said Vavra. Va- Vavra, McKenna, and Stowers. Oh, maybe McKenna doesn't make the team. So I, I maybe, 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 and maybe that's why Brandon Hyde's playing him so much and batting him so much, so many times yeah. in the middle of the order, trying to give him every opportunity because he loves him. He loves Ryan McKenna. But maybe McKenna doesn't make the team. It's a it's a numbers crunch. And again, what it comes down to. You have too many players for not enough positions. A trade has to be coming. You cannot convince me otherwise. I'm, I'm putting this in. I need to figure this out by like using my brain to actually figure out who's going to be on this team in a second. So I'm writing these names so down. I think that that, that is a perfect opportunity to intermit this or intermit. Yeah, intermit. To intermit this conversation because we do have another break that we have to get to. So I uh, want to remind you that today, eh, you know what? Let's just hit our break. We're going to hit our third break. We're going to come back in. We're going to finish up this conversation uh, and close things out. That's all next on The Battle Round. Baseball season is finally here, and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like Birds Are Coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high-quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports Sports.com today to browse their collection and gear up for the season. Let's go O's. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. 
Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Have you experienced hardship due to COVID-19 and want to start a new career in healthcare? Look no further than CCBC. Starting in March, CCBC offers short-term career training programs in medical front office, pharmacy technician, and certified nursing assistant. And the best part, funding is available to those who qualify. Healthcare is a rewarding field that can offer job security and fulfillment. With CCBC's healthcare programs, you'll learn everything you need to know to get started in these in-demand careers. Call us at 443-840-2222 or ccbcmd.edu to learn more. CCBC Healthcare Programs. Your new career starts now with funding available. 443-840-2222 or ccbcmd.edu. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Back in here on the bat around. Zach was just telling me how much his time is in demand. He's, he's, <laughs> Apparently he's, it is. He's kind of a big deal. Oh, yeah. I, I don't Definitely. know if, it, if you know this about him, and he wants, <laughs> he wants to be on you. Um, Whoa. Anchorman. I don't ah. know if you know who I am. I'm kind ah. of a big deal. I'm just going to say this. I'm going to throw it out there. If you like it, take it. If you there don't, you send it right yeah. on back. Yeah. I want to be on movie. you. want to be on you. Um, so we figured this out over the break. And the Orioles, if you look at them right now, the guys who we are almost beyond the shadow of a doubt certain are going to be on the roster, position player side of things, uh, your two catchers, Rutschman and McCann, Mountcastle, Frazier, Mateo, Henderson, Hayes, Mullins, Santander. That's nine right there. Those are your guarantees. Those are your guarantees. And then you look at your bench. And Arias is a guarantee as well. Arias is is a guarantee. I think Taron Vavra is a guarantee and I think Kyle Stowers, I don't think he's done anything for them. They know what he can do with AAA. Sending him back down to AAA, there's nothing for him to prove there. Yeah. I would not be surprised in the least if if Brandon Hyde keeps McKenna yeah. over Stowers. So that makes... that makes That's 12. 12 guys. So you have one position left. Yeah. And if you're keeping Stowers or you're keeping McKenna, are you keeping the other one with that 13th spot? Yeah. And well, it, it's just tough to have two fourth outfielders on the same team. Yeah, it, it, it really, it really is. is. And one of them is going to DH. Um, and Vavra and, and is they, also and it, a fourth outfielder. Yeah. In and a lot of ways. 
so then you look at it. Is it O'Hearn? Is it Lester? Is it Franchi Cordero, who's had the best spring of anybody? I'm putting my money on O'Hearn. I uh, really believe that. I really believe a trade's imminent. I think a trade is absolutely imminent. Arias? Uh, 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 Ramon Arias should be starting. Yeah. And there's not a spot for him. He's a gold glove winner at third base, who, by the way, was a top, uh, arguably a top 15 second baseman in yeah. the game the year before. I mean, he was on the on the, on the the shredder for MLB's uh, top 10 second baseman right now. He was ju- They had him. He had a 110 uh, OPS plus uh, with great defense at second base after the 2021 season. He is a guy who can... Can and should be starting on just about any team, yeah. and there's a number of teams, including like the Los Angeles Dodgers, who need infield help. I think a trade is absolutely imminent. Th- th- right. There's just there's just too many guys. There's yeah. too many guys, and Jordan Westbrook, Connor Norby, Joey Ortiz, those guys are a phone call away right. from starting their big league debut and a hot start away from being here for the long haul. Well, I, I hate to put it this way, but Vavra would be the guy out when one of those guys comes he, in. He would be, yeah. but you're, bring, you're bringing one of those guys in to start. Mm-hmm. You still need your utility infielder. Yeah. You still need your guy, and if Vavra gets on base and hits the way he has been, the way we saw his entire minor league career, the way we saw it when he got to the big leagues, he had a little bit of a slump, but everybody goes through slumps, but then he started hot and he ended hot. Yeah. What's he, what's he got left to prove at, at AAA? He's probably it, not much. You're, you're no. good with him being your utility guy. Guys like Ortiz, like Westberg, like Connor Norby. You're bringing those guys up to play every day. There has to be a trade. The Orioles haven't have a need in their bullpen. They might have a need for a DH. Maybe there's got to be a trade yeah. that's coming. I can't imagine them standing pat with their roster and making that difficult a decision and sending somebody to the minors who, frankly, should be playing every day. Because yeah. that's what's going to happen. If they, if they stand pat, they're going to send a guy like Kyle Stowers down to the minors or or Ryan, Ryan McKenna shouldn't be playing every day. But they're going to they're gonna send somebody down with a, a good bit of big league experience or that should be playing every day. Yeah. I really believe a trade's coming. Ramon Arias doesn't have a job on this team right now. Yeah. I, I honestly believe that there's a trade coming. I, I don't see any way around it. Um, we've decided that we're going to do one of two things next week. If we can get Luke Jackson to do the show, then what we're going to do is we're going to have Stan on and do a Major League Baseball preview uh, with Stan where we're going to get his opinion on how the season's going to play out for the entire Major Leagues, not just the the Orioles and the American League East. Then we'll have Luke Jackson on and do something similar, but it's going to be a more of a roundtable. Yep. If Luke is unavailable, we're going to try to get somebody to talk about the Blue Jays and we're going to push our Major League Baseball preview to the following Saturday um, when the Orioles, uh, before the Orioles take on the Boston Red Sox in Game 2 of the season. Um, either way, we're, we've got a Major League Baseball preview coming from you, coming for you in one of the next two weeks. Probably next week, if, if I know Luke the way I think I do. Um, other final thoughts? I don't really have any right now. I, I think we covered so much. We covered so much we with, with Arrestus. We could talk about the Ravens. I'm burnt out with, with Lamar talk. Um, one thing I do want to ask you, is they need wide receiver help and they haven't done anything. Nothing. Yet. Once again, they haven't year. done anything yet. How much of that do you think is because of the holdup with Lamar? It would be great to know who your quarterback is. That's for sure. It would be that's a fundamental thing of your team right now that you, you, is a huge question mark. I mean, we know mm-hmm. for a fact they reached out to Baker Mayfield. They reached out to a few free agent quarterbacks. Jacoby Brissett was one of them yeah. because they are so unsure of what the situation looks like for them. I want it to be over. I'm, I'm insanely tired of this. But I don't think that absolves the Ravens either 
from going out and getting wide receivers because if you look at the wide receiver core right now, it's still bad. Still bad. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, and, and again, you can say, oh, Eric DaCosta's tried to get wide receivers. And I guess that's true in a sense. He did draft two of them in the first round. I get that. But the fact is, is every free agent wide receiver they've signed, every proven guy they've signed, has been a Seth Roberts or a Deshaun De- Jackson. Or Demarcus Robinson. Or Demarcus, who wasn't awful. He wasn't but awful He's better year. than the rest of them. But, or, or Michael, Sammy Watkins. Or a Michael Crabtree. These are the kind Jeremy of guys. Jeremy Macklin. Jeremy Macklin. These are the kind of guys that the Ravens have had as free agents. And that's got to change. That's oh. got to change. Well, you know what? All you got to do to know exactly what we're talking about is go pick up the latest edition of the Press Box Print Issue on the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full major league season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state. And as we were just talking about, Bo Smoker breaks down another year of wide receiver issues for the Ravens addressing the need for a wide receiver. And if he were rewriting that article right now, he'd probably talk at length about how the Ravens still haven't done anything. And I think some of that has to do with the Lamar Jackson contract. Topic for another day. Just want to remind you, PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Ladies, gentlemen, the regular season is just around the corner. We're talking 12 days. Orioles are on Masson today. I'm going to say it. I have to say it. I know Grayson Rodriguez is on the hill, and that's what what people really want to see the most of. But you have four games televised on Masson. Four games. I'd like the manager to be a little bit more cognizant of the fact that there's only four televised games on Masson, and not everybody's paying for Major League for MLB TV. Play a representative lineup. Play a representative lineup for your fans to watch. Uh, you have Adam Frazier leading off playing second base. Ramon Arias batting second, playing third base. Ryan Mountcastle batting third, DH. And Kyle Stowers batting fourth, playing left field. Austin Hayes batting fifth, playing center field. Then you have at first base batting sixth, Ryan O'Hearn. Uh, batting seventh, catching James McCann. Batting eighth, playing right field, Nomar Mazzara. And batting ninth at shortstop, Jorge Mateo. Rutschman should be in there. Henderson should be in there if you want to four televised games play the people the people want to play the players people want to see yeah and look I think that during the regular season we're not going to be bitching about the lineups very much because they just have such good depth and you can just so stacked you can you can justify any lineup that Brandon I could possibly put out there except if Ryan McKenna's in it but you know um I don't hate the guy I just don't think he's very good he's not he's not (laughs) he's not good good enough to play as much as Brandon Hyde plays him there's a spot for a fourth outfielder on every team and that's strictly what he is and if he plays 95 games but gets 110 at bats because in those 95 games he's coming in 80% of the time as a defensive replacement in the ninth inning or the eighth inning that's fine but he should not be starting and accumulating over 300 at bats in a season he's Ryan freaking McKenna one, now, of my, one of my least favorite Orioles of all time, i got to say it, and I'm sorry to this guy, but he is, uh, is Joey Rickard. And I somehow would still rather have Joey Rickard batting at the, uh, in the leadoff spot for me than Ryan McKenna. I'm just not, I'm not very high on McKenna. I don't think there's a lot to, to love there. But hey, maybe, maybe he'll prove me wrong. I hope he does. His, he's a career 209 hitter with a 293 on base percentage yeah. who got, okay, he got 156 at-bats last year, but he played in 104 games. It's a lot. That, that's... 
played a lot of times with, with defensive a lot of, replacement. He was a de- defensive replacement. Played a lot of times. Got a lot of starts on day game after night games with a lot of other backups who weren't as good as the Orioles' backups are oh. this year. I don't. I, I don't want to bitch about the lineups in spring training, and I don't want to bitch about them during the regular season because I think they're going to be good. Yeah. Just about every day. But I am going to bitch when you have four televised games on your team's network yeah. and you don't start representative players for your fans to see. They get limited opportunities, and you're putting out a lineup with Ryan O'Hearn, Ryan McKenna, Nomar Mazzara, and Jorge Mateo. I yeah. love Jorge Mateo, but we know who he is offensively. Like, yeah. Do better. Do better. That's my final thought. Anything left for you? I got nothing. All right. Thank you for tuning in to the Batter Round. Sorry for such a um, up and down and all around show. We had a lot of uh, things uh, go good and go bad on the show today. Really great time talking to Arrested Destrati. Thank you to him for coming on. Love talking to him. Hope to talk to him again soon down the line. Thank you to all of our fans who make the show possible. All of our sponsors who also make the show possible. Thank you to Zach who does an amazing job producing and co-hosting the show day in and day out, week in and week out, every single week year for us and thank you to all of our listeners for listening in i think i thanked you twice but you deserve it uh until next week see ya